0: I searched for Salamandron, but it, that's not what it is. It's Salamandastron, Salamandastron, right? Salamandastron, yeah. Autocorrect caught it for me. But you also remembered the, the Redwall book, which was about like, they were like the elite academy of warriors in a mountain, right? Yeah, that sounds right. And there was a big armored badger on the front, I remember. <laughs> um, I've just
1: now got my um, badger setting here. Let me
0: Let me upload it. I love that you have a badger setting, badger mode engage. Whoa, Kyle!
2: What the hell is that? Well, uh, actually, I think they were talking about this in the design of the badgers, how they went with a European badger instead of an American badger, because I guess American badgers are just scary looking.
1: Yeah, look at look at this guy.
2: Yeah, that. Oh, that's, that's a, an American badger. Well, I think that's a that has armor and, and a club. Yeah, American. <laughs> Is it holding a Bud Light? <laughs> that badger looks like it Man, I was going to say It's voting. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I was going to say does the do, but that's not how the that's not how the phrase works. <laughs> does the do? It <laughs> does the do.
0: Yeah, American badgers, let's see. Similar in appearance, though not closely related. Interesting. Yeah, this one's, he's a little bit um, grungier looking. Like, yeah before and after a meth addiction picture is when you yeah. put the two badgers next to each other. Here, let me actually, I'll put a, put a link in the description of this pod to a oh really fair comparison of, like, what happened to a badger when he was clean versus <laughs> when he found the wrong relics in life.
2: oh my my gosh it's so true i mean the european badger looks like like a pet you would own yeah he he looks regal yeah yeah and it's got a big cute nose
1: it's got very calm like very focused looking eyes it clearly follows the path of peace you know but also trains in the art of the sword i yeah. thought you
0: were gonna say the path of evolution
1: like how he should look
0: <laughs>
2: on the other no, hand it, it
1: literally yeah. looks like the american badger is clinging to the like trailing edge of evolution with like every last <laughs> muscle in its face it looks like it has way too many face muscles you know
0: how deep deep sea fish tend to have like really gnarly teeth he is yeah. the equivalent above yeah. land Yeah,
2: he's the anglerfish on land. 100%, 100%. That thing looks like it's straight out of a Jordan Peele film. (laughs) That's right. Today, we are harassing the badgers. (laughs) No, of of note, we are not. That's true. We are talking about how to play as a faction again. That's right. This is not a versus
0: guide. This is actually a kind of guide. It's
2: a guide. Well, yes.
0: We never really did. Yeah. What did we call it? Them? We
2: called them intermediate faction guides, I found <laughs> out, based on me going back to past episode outlines.
0: Wow, that was a bulky name we gave it.
2: <laughs> it well, yeah, because I think we we didn't want to like overstep our boundaries. Yeah, like, no, we, we want to be everything. real safe.
0: Don't worry, y'all. It's intermediate.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I do think, I think this one is aimed in that same vein. It is yeah. intermediate. Uh, we don't claim to be experts. This, this expansion is brand new. I don't claim to know all the ins and outs of the Badgers. I've played the Badgers about 15 times. So I'm not an expert, but I did listen to everyone who's written a guide, which there is a lot of great materials out there, which we will link in the description uh, below. But um, wow, you guys, the Badgers are here.
1: (laughs) And they're not just, you know, here on the pod. They're, They're in people's hands right now. What is this? Um, Sam is currently holding up what looks to be, uh, like a small cat. Oh no, that's your dog, Sam.
2: What guys, <laughs> it's the Marauder expansion here. I'll rub Sam, it against the microphone dog. for no, the don't. listeners. The poor dog. Don't No.
0: <laughs> oh my God. He's Put, to her, fit down. Into Put a small her down. Box. He's dressed up Rosie in a box and he's painted Root Marauders expansion on the box. <laughs> Gosh, Rachel, get him help. She's so <laughs> she cute, looks though. great.
1: <laughs> okay, well, for real though, how does real, it though, feel to hold the the expansion set, Sam?
2: Amazing, you guys. And what's even more amazing is if you guys look at the back of the Law of Root, you will see a, my name in that what? Law of Root. Really? Yeah. Was a play Whoa! Tester. Wow! Congratulations! My name's in there. Yeah. <laughs> You're part of the lore. Yeah. Dreams do. Truly yeah. come true. Also, so are a lot of people from my old job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that actually makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. From yeah. Game Lab. Yeah, there is, Yeah, all the, shout out to Game Lab. Uh, they're in there. Well, congratulations! Very cool.
1: Thank you. And you got the hirelings expansion as well, right?
2: Yeah, got the more hirelings. They're of note. The base hirelings for the cats, birds, woodland alliance, and vagabond are in the Marauder expansion proper. And then in retail, you'll be able to get each expansions like hirelings. But if you backed it on Kickstarter, you just get the hirelings box that contains all the other hirelings.
0: Oh, but you normally have to buy them like in pairs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think Mm. they come with like the underworld one will have the crows, the moles and a pink one. I think that's how the other ones work because there's three pink ones, right? The hedgehogs, the people playing the flute The people playing the flute, the band, the The traveling band, traveling band. That's the traveling band. And oh, and the protector. That's what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, no, not not exactly pink, but
2: no. Well, the card is pink, but the meeple is not. Yeah. Wait, is the card pink? I don't know. I'm just going to (laughs) look at it in real life. just going to look at it in real life. (laughs) It's a new expansion. I can't be an expert yet. He's unboxing it
1: right now on audio stream.
2: ASMR here. Just looking at it in real life here. Yep. Protectors pink. We're the car. All, right.
0: all right everybody
2: that's We're gonna have to edit this intro that's our first bullet for root news <laughs> all right all right here let's get into some root news. <laughs> the marauder expansion is here <laughs> it's off the boats it's in my hands i know for a lot of people they haven't gotten their tracking numbers yet and for those people sam sorry. doesn't care sorry
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like mine's still, like, on the Pony Express crossing America to, like, reach New York City to eventually deliver it to me.
2: Yeah, well, again, Kyle, you can't do anything once you get it, right? You only have the Vagabond pack and the Marauders expansion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't have a single map. <laughs> I have no dice. <laughs> you can't play the game, so I don't know why you're so impatient. Oh, I want to I just hold it. <laughs> again, this is going to be my first,
0: like player board that i own that i'm gonna get to hold
1: so yeah that's gonna yeah. be cool <laughs>
2: that's special yeah. that's special
0: we need to install one in central park there like, like a autumn map
1: oh yeah. oh yeah you know how the tables have like chess boards kind of carved <laughs> into them well we should do one that's like <laughs> <Just a public laughs> and then if you map. turn the table upside down it's the winter map mm. you gotta root hustle people in central park oh my god that'd be so fun. i mean it'd be like three <laughs> of us in sunglasses who are like <laughs> Trying to like harangue somebody coming out of the Times Square station to like sit down and play a game.
2: You should go for dominance. That's something you should do. It would take so long to explain what is happening. Uh, it's so funny. All right. Uh in in other more concrete news, we have uh Nebuchadnezzar's Advanced Bird Guide has come out. And oh, it is yes. special. If you haven't taken a look at it yet. His uh, kind of irreverent sense of humor is on full display, but also that information is invaluable. He put a lot of work into it, it's a great guide.
1: Yeah, you can just tell the like level of experience that Nev has with this faction, just based mm-hmm. on the things that he d- does not recommend that you do. I do want to shout out really quick, the uh, editing of these videos yeah. is incredible. Yeah, great job. <laughs> so Nev. great. I um, yeah. also want to shout out NitroRev, hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Congrats NitroRev, nice job. Um, nice milestone to cross. Um, NitroRev has been posting a lot of, like, polls uh, over on YouTube. I think they're accessible maybe only on that platform. And he, maybe he's posting them elsewhere. But I've all, had a really fun time seeing how everyone feels about different Vagabonds. Um, you know, listening to d- people's opinions about the, the different decks and all of that. So uh, if you aren't following or subscribed to Nitro Rev. Uh, go do that
2: yeah he's been also doing these like youtube shorts of just like here's an interesting interaction or like here's an a weird rule or a counterintuitive thing uh and they're really helpful for like refreshers about like using the fairy or like mercenaries or just like little weird rules that you might um might miss if you know it's it's great good stuff uh also in big news, the Weird Root Tournament is starting May sixth. Yeah, very cool. And they're using the uh the 50-50 format, right? Yeah, so half uh legit content, half <laughs>
1: weird content. And it's it's like a kind of a random draft, basically. So um depending on how the, the picks go, you're gonna be playing with some fan content, like factions, maps you know, scenarios, decks, all that kind of thing. It's just gonna be kind of all colliding in this, you know, magnificent explosion that is the weird route. So when you say
0: fifty-fifty, you mean like half of the game is normal, the other half is crazy homebrew rules? A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. That's so confusing. It's a hundred percent fifty-fifty. It's a hundred percent
0: fifty percent, dude. <laughs>
2: Oh, by the way, signups for that have gone out this week. If you haven't already signed up, you might be able to still get in if you bother Slugface Killer. I, I I can't guarantee that, but, but bother him if you really want in, you might be able to sneak in. I know that they want to create a lot of hype around this event, so get hyped, Whimmies. But if that's not weird enough for you, if that's not weird enough for you, check this. I got a story here that's going to weird you out, <laughs> and that is that Root Jam 2022 is starting May 1st
1: root jam
2: so you're going to be able to create a fan faction within two weeks and again all of this is to raise money for doctors without borders that has been linked in the woodland war machine i'm sure jake will link it in the uh episode as well he will absolutely this was such a
1: blast last year we created a fan faction that was the sloths Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a fun prompt where it was like has to be upside down turn it around and we made a player board that actually physically flipped over and you kind of like unlocked a new kind of thing about this faction for flipping it we put way too much time into it it was really fun
2: (laughs) yeah oh my gosh it was like 36 straight hours of work um it was awesome
1: (laughs) anyway so definitely check that out
2: but now there's two weeks so I think the your, the idea is that you're going to be able to play test your faction a little bit more.
0: Is that what it was judged on was mostly how playable it was? Because I no. thought there was like points for creativity, too, and stuff, right? It was
2: basically all points for creativity. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And so it's a two weeks starting on May 1st. That's correct. All right.
2: Hopefully they
1: repeat what they did last year, which is that the winning factions all are involved in a game of Root that gets played. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that was fun. Super cool. Super cool all right and that is it for root news that's it
2: yeah tournament update not nothing nothing to write home about we're ready for the semifinals coming up here and um sammy going to the semis yeah i will report live my disappointment and finally join that cool kids losers club there you go yeah your access (laughs) is denied until you earn your way get
0: out of here you popular person (laughs) you success at life <laughs> we hate success.
2: <laughs> All right. All right, guys, let's get into this guide proper. It is now time to talk about the Keepers in Iron, the Badger <laughs> faction. And the meeples are silver, they're shiny silver. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the theme overview. Jake, maybe you could enlighten us with a little thematic overview of the Keepers in Iron.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> the Keepers in Iron are an order of devout knights once exiled from the woodland who have returned to recover relics lost in past conflicts. Whether oh. these relics belong to the Keepers... the woodland though is another question to accomplish their mission they'll need to delve relics out of the forest move them to a way station of the same type and then recover them when they recover a relic they score points equal to the relics value of one to three and they also score two points each time they complete a set of the three relic types figures tablets and jewelry Over time, the keepers will gather a retinue of woodland creatures, letting them take more actions. However, each time they delve a relic or recover one, they might lose a retinue card they use to act, so they will need to plan ahead and take prudent risks in order to succeed. That's right. I have so many questions about this.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's (laughs) get into it, Kyle. What's going on?
1: All right. First of all, the fact that (laughs) they have to move them to a way station is like... What is a way station? I, that's a great like, question. It's like a greyhound stop, I feel like.
0: <laughs> it feels like a rickety tent that's on four poles. Yeah. That they're like, okay, this is our base now, right, guys? Yeah, this is where we're storing all the precious artifacts of the woodlands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to take it down, just kick out the sticks so we can move on.
2: <laughs> also, like, with the retinue, it's like, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, when you take an action with the retinue that you can't fulfill and you lose that creature of the woodland, that woodland denizen to that action. Do they die or do, do they just like, hey, no. I'm not going to help you delve your relics no more. no, you know? no, no, no.
1: Here's, here's what it is. It's like, they're trying to crowdfund a museum or something. <laughs> and these are like donors or they're like just well-meaning, like middle-class woodlanders who are like, yeah, I sure would like to preserve the history of our woodland and then the badgers come up. And they're like, hey, can I sleep in your backyard? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, okay, I guess so. But then after that, the bridge is burned. Oh, right. That's how I think about it.
0: Yeah, I do feel like they are a team of both knights and archaeologists. Like their way stations mm-hmm. are just their little work benches where they dust off the relics. And wh- whichever archaeologist isn't uh, famous enough to pull the relic has to leave in shame. Yeah no they
1: just push him into the excavation
0: Yeah (laughs) they leave him Where the relic was Mm.
1: It's like that Indiana Jones thing Where they have to swap out something of equal weight
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well that's our thematic overview If we're kind of uh, You know shifting (laughs) towards more of a Competitive context Let's get into it
0: Yes well we should say also like that point value That we just mentioned right there that's, That's like the game like, that's over 30 points, isn't it? Is it 34 points? 35, I think. 35. Yeah.
1: Critically, they score two bonus points when they complete a set uh, of three relics, right? One mm. figure, one tablet, one jewelry. Altogether, Kurt, Like finishes a column. They score an instant bonus two points in addition to whatever those relics are worth, which gives this faction a reputation for bursting a bunch of points, right? Oh, you do yeah. a recovery action at the end of your uh, your daylight actions, Score a ton of points, finish out some columns, get even more bonus points.
2: That can lead to some scary uh, point bursts. Oh, yeah. Well, the Badgers are the most complex, flexible, fastest scoring, action-having faction in all of Root. Wow.
0: Period. Period. Okay.
2: No arguments. No. They are so (laughs) good. And have such a big burst potential that the reason that they don't win games is because players are basically forced to three v one them.
0: Kill them!
2: <laughs> it's almost similar to the crows, except for the part where the crows aren't very good. But like, it's similar to the crows. <laughs> and the, you once they get to twenty two points, you can't let them flip anymore. And it's similar to the badgers, where it's like once they have their big burst. And you can see that the next time they delve a relic or a couple relics because they can do multiple in a turn that that will be the end of the game. Then you have to completely shut them down.
0: So like what you're saying is like the crows, the writing's a little bit on the wall for what they obviously what they just did. But what's what's potentially around the corner for them? And not only that, you can see where they need to go to get it every time. Whereas the crows can put stuff kind of almost anywhere. Uh, The badgers have a very clear path ahead of them. uh, A map almost.
2: Yeah everything's on the board and all their actions are in the retinue so it's pretty transparent now granted you can kind of get a little tricky with how you do things and we'll kind of get into that but when you burst for 12 to 16 points in a single turn which is not out of the realm of possibility people are going to notice and it's going to be the easiest person to go hey, everybody, let's put our petty differences aside and make sure <laughs> that these badgers no longer get to play the game of Root. <laughs> so as a result, if they will win the race unopposed. We have a new race leader. We've got a new fastest faction in Root. Assuming that the person who's operating them uh, you know, is competent enough yeah. to figure out their very tricky puzzle, which I don't want to discount
0: and the puzzle's not always in that person's hands based on like what they what they rule when they delve right because they they can only delve if they rule so if people interrupt that which is not always in the, the badger's hands
2: right exactly yeah because they first must battle so mm-hmm. an ambush could be really dangerous in that mm-hmm. situation yeah lots can happen
1: right so there's this funny balance with the keepers in iron where you're trying to go for like limited control over certain clearings and you're trying to maintain that mobility to like move around the map. And those can go hand in hand with like a big force. But as we'll see, there's a kind of like limiter on, uh, on the n- number of forces you can have in any one clearing, which we <laughs> yeah. vaguely alluded to before, which I can't wait to discuss in more, like <laughs> yeah, thematically detail. Later. Absolutely
2: <laughs> insane. What's going on there. Okay. Uh, so they will win the race if they're unopposed. So part of this guide is hoping to show you how to do things efficiently. And some parts will be kind of focused on how to do things in a way that doesn't make you the woodlands most wanted.
1: Yeah. Table talk is going to be a necessary skill to uh, survive as this faction.
2: And uh, by the way, uh, there's no table talk that can talk you out of a 12 to 16 point burst. <laughs> or at least we haven't seen Walrus Law play them yet. So we <laughs> we, we can't know that for sure yet. Have we seen the 16? We've seen over 16, yeah.
0: Whoa. That purple tongue. Devil. 12 to
2: 16 was me being uh, somewhat conservative. Mm, terrifying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. We used to do these in the guides. It's time to talk about building slash token importance slash component overview. Oh wow. my goodness. Our, our what ha- year is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's 2021. Oh, Imagine wow. if you Whoa. can. My beard was Ooh.
0: roughly the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: All right. Oh, wow. I
1: just, I love how long all of our headings are. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> we, this is before we, you know, came up with catchy titles and theme songs for each one of our segments. Again, <laughs> no, we, theme we like songs the, we only make with our mouths.
1: <laughs> the more clunky and over descriptive as possible. Yeah, I, I yeah, love yeah. it.
2: All right. So we're dealing with uh, this faction. The Keepers and Iron have a reach of eight, which is high, it makes them a red faction. Uh, they have 15 warriors, which is pretty low for a red faction. Yeah. For instance, the uh, River Folk Company also have 15 warriors. Right. They come with three double-sided way stations. Those way stations have uh, a, a different relic type on each side, whether it's jewelry, tab- tablet, or figure. And amongst those three, there's an even distribution. So there's one that's figure and tablet, One that's tablet and jewelry, one that's jewelry and figure.
1: Yeah. And part of the kind of puzzle of this faction is to have the right way station facing the right way up in the right clearing. Yeah. (laughs) To bring your relics back to in order to recover.
2: Yeah, that is certainly what's hard to talk about this faction is there's like an initial complexity puzzle that's fascinating. That's like what Kyle's saying, having the right way stations up, ruling the right clearings, predicting where you need to be on a future turn, okay? There's, like, that's a whole puzzle, and we're going to get into it. But also, once you've mastered that little puzzle, that's when we're talking about how scary the Badgers can be. Absolutely. Yeah, and you kind of have to get some reps in with that
1: internal, like, mechanic, right? right? Their engine, their point engine. Get some reps in with that in order to, like, fully appreciate the like larger strategy ideas too and so hopefully this is gonna be a good launching pad to get you through the kind of like crunchiness of this faction and into the more like fun area where you get to like plot out a fun turn and like kind of understand what you're trying to do
2: right if you just got the marauder expansion and you're listening to this guide and you're playing the badgers you're probably not gonna have that turn where you get 16 points on one turn (laughs) okay You're probably going to have a clunky couple learning moments. Hopefully this guy said
0: what was possible.
2: It is possible, but uh, it's going to take a lot of vision and that's going to come with experience. Hopefully we can cut down on the amount of games you have to play in order to get there with this guy.
0: You need a visual, uh, Reference for this episode a little bit. I think more than any other faction. It's helpful to have the board in front of you right now. So if you have it physically take it. If you don't get it digitally. And uh, keep that in mind. Because there's there's some things you need to look at here. When remembering how this faction works.
2: Nitro Rev has a great how to play the Badgers uh, video. And a great strategy guide. For the Badgers video. And I would yeah. encourage you to watch both of those. Because it is very helpful to see it uh visually. Yes. Um, But. We're, we're still going to get you there with some ideas, pef- people, okay? All right. Uh, also, part of our uh, faction, component, importance, building token overview. Is that is- the
0: subsection of this section?
2: No, no, that's this section. <laughs> uh, it has, we have 12 double-sided relic tokens, okay? Four of each type, jewelry, tablet, and figure. And they are uh, numbered one, two, three, and 3.
0: In terms in of play values, types. right? Yep,
2: yep. And they all start face down,
1: which is kind of amazing. So you're just looking at this, like, forest full of mysterious relics that are all lying face down on the board at the very beginning of the game, spread out all over the place, hither and yon. And when you delve them, you draw them into the clearing where you're going to delve these relics they flip face up and that's when you get to find out how many points you're going to score from recovering this
0: thing uh one one critical point there too is for those of you who haven't seen these pieces yet face down means that you can actually see what type of relic relic it is you just can't see its point value the reason that's important is because when you pull it in if the point value exceeds the number of clearings that you rule adjacent to the forest from which you pulled it, then you must lose a card in your retinue, uh, specifically in your delving retinue, right?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes. And this is assuming you rule that clearing you're delving to. Which is the only way to delve, right? That's Correct. The, that's Correct. the condition at the beginning of delve, yep. is you must
0: rule, yep. right? Yeah. Okay.
2: So it's like a fun surprise,
0: and you might lose a card.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we also have three faithful retainers, and they are not loyal viziers, Okay, they are faithful retainers. Okay? <laughs> yeah, somebody just got the
1: thesaurus out, I feel
2: like. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. I, every <laughs> unboxing video I've watched online of people unboxing the Marauder expansion, they're like, oh, I guess they gave us more bird cards for the bird faction. <laughs> no one knows that they're for the key birds <laughs> because... Well,
0: they're also clearly birds because they have bird-sized helmets on, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they
2: have, like, armor that goes over their beaks or I whatever. believe
0: the, the name change is intentional because they were like, we are your new viziers and they're like well uh nope you fight for us now so change it uh retainers
1: <laughs> clarence and- get the thesaurus <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i just
1: feel like cardinals in the root world are like they're just followers they're just naturally <laughs> yeah not leaders except for the builder right
2: right you're right the builder is a leader,
1: the mm-hmm. leader. oh no but the builder's a, a woodpecker
2: oh that's right yeah, yeah yeah ironic I wow i never he thought who would about destroy it's also he
0: who would build <laughs> no, well it he's makes good. sense he's... he
2: doesn't even start with a card and build what, some builder he is
1: he's full of contradictions all right we can't litigate this now <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. right so those are our components for the keepers in iron uh mm-hmm. once again it is helpful to have a little bit of a visual reference especially when going through the turn order kind of like faction uh turn guide uh, very helpful to look at the player board to kind of see how this all fits together. Because I would say of pretty much any faction, the Keepers in Iron really rewards you knowing how to set yourself up for a good turn. Mm-hmm. Cause all of your turn actions, much like the Eerie, are kind of programmed into this uh, you know, retainer kind of set of three columns that dictate your daylight actions. And that you got to, like, stock full of cards at the very, very end of your previous turn. So it's about, like, getting yourself set up and ready for a good turn. So but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, Sam, how would you describe their method of scoring?
2: I kind of alluded uh, to it already. Yeah, just the burstiest of the burst factions. Yeah, what's (laughs) another example of a burst faction in Root? Yeah, like the Woodland Alliance. Okay. Woodland Alliance can score up until... This faction, the Woodland Alliance, were the kings of the Burst. Right. Okay? They were the bell of the Burst Ball. But now, (laughs) we've got the Keepers in Iron, who make the Woodland Alliance look like the Marquise de (laughs) Caen. Okay?
0: (laughs) If you're new to this podcast, I'm so sorry. (laughs) This
1: has just been 30 minutes of gibberish. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so they, they tend to stay at a low simmer and then just shoot up in points, right? So they'll go a couple of rounds where it's like, no, they're not really keeping up, are they? They just scored like two points or one point. Uh, And then they'll score like eight or 10.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, it gets really scary really quick. And we'll talk about why they get so bursty. And they're kind of like a bursting snowball, which is kind of like the Woodland Alliance, where it's like, oh, once that burst happens, then it's like you basically have to spend everyone's turn dealing with it otherwise we're going to get into trouble yeah. and how do they do all this through their core mechanic of delving and recovering relics right okay preserving the history of the woodland right. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i guess that depends on your perspective um it belongs in a museum <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're not just extracting this for our own benefit
0: <laughs>
2: yeah they're just cat burglars they're
0: just stealing people's jewelry If you just change the same statement to a German accent, it sounds evil, right? Yeah. It belongs in und museum. (laughs) Okay. Now we don't trust him. You know what? You can have my
1: necklace.
2: (laughs) And here, have this figure. All right. I've got Uh, a tablet. (laughs) No one wants that. Okay. All right. Uh, Now, delving and recovering relics breaks down like this. Okay, the keepers have a two-pronged objective in order to score points. Prong one, they must rule a certain number of clearings surrounding a forest in order to delve the relic out of the forest and into the clearing. Again, right. they also must rule that clearing. Yeah, so this
1: is a like very localized thing. It's like, how, how much around that specific forest do you rule? Right. Right. Are you surrounding this forest enough to like extract the goods?
2: Right. Prong two they must recover that relic at a way station and want to rule a certain number of matching clearings. So So
1: let's do a concrete example, Sam. Let's say it's a tablet and you've got a tablet way station in a rabbit clearing.
2: Right. Okay. So when you delve that relic into that rabbit clearing, you have to rule that rabbit clearing, and then you're hoping to rule a certain number of, clearings adjacent to that forest that surround that forest that is equal to or greater than the relic's value once you flip it over let's say it's a two all right if it's a two and you rule two or more clearings surrounding that forest then that's great you just delve that and you don't lose a card in your retinue awesome say it's a three and you rule two clearings well then you would well, lose well. that card from your delve column in your retinue and your retinue again, which we'll talk about in a sec. It's kind of like the birds decree, the eerie Dynasty's decree,
0: and which is why it's important. You got to declare which card you're doing first, because that's the card you would lose if you lost this gamble, right?
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. So we fun surprise. It's a three. So <laughs> we might be losing a card from our retinue in the delve column. But right. now it's time an to action,
2: Yeah. An action forever uh, onward that we've lost. Prong two. If we rule two rabbit clearings, then we are able to recover that relic, score those two points, and not lose a card from our recover column. If we only rule one rabbit clearing, we still score the two points and recover the relic, but we will lose a card from our recover column. And again, recovering does not require rule. No, you can just recover even if you don't rule anything, as long as it's at the way
1: station. You would just end up burning a card for that. Yeah. So that sounds like there's kind of two things that we care about in terms right. of ruling clearings with the Badgers. And again, th- there's only 15 warriors total in the supply, so it's not like they're going to be ruling like every clearing on the map. They have to be pretty selective about this. But there's kind of two, in, um, in Luke's words over on Make Game, the kind of like badger guide over there, uh, he describes it as two axes that we kind of Mm -hmm. care about, right? It's that localized, surrounding the forest rule, and it's the, like, clearing suit rule,
2: right? So we're looking at targeting rabbit clearings, for example. So we have to think ahead. When we're putting down our way stations, which happens at the beginning of our turn, what clearing that's going to go in, because we need to rule matching clearings that match the clearing that that way station is in, in order to recover safely.
1: Yeah. It's so many steps. It's, it's a lot of setup to like get it just right, which is quite difficult. Yeah, but again, I mean, once you figure out this like micro interaction puzzle thing, uh, it, it actually becomes like very strategically interesting um, what you decide to prioritize, right? Like, do you burn a card in the delve column so that you can prioritize ruling matching clearings instead and not lose something in your recover column? Because I feel like there's often a trade-off there, right? It's, it's almost impossible to rule, you know, three mouse clearings and the three clearings adjacent to the forest. Like, that's just super hard to do over the course of a game, especially towards the end when the board is full, right? Right. Uh, so, yeah, kind of knowing how to prioritize that, which we will explore a little further down the line.
2: Right. And you don't have to uh, recover a relic on the same term you delve it out of the forest, Oh, so it just hangs out in the clearing? Yeah, we can just hang out in the clearing and protect that token, though because of an effect we'll talk about very shortly, that might not be the best idea. Hmm. So let's get into the unique abilities that uh, the Keepers and Iron bring to the table. The first and most important thing about this faction is what we've been talking about, the Retinue. Again, just like the Eerie's Decree, these are slots at the top of your faction board where you can place cards uh, and you will take actions according to those card suits. The first column in our retinue is called Move. And just like the Eerie's Decree, you will move from a clearing that matches the suit of that card. And we all already start with a Faithful Retainer tucked in Each of these columns will have one in move one in may battle, then may delve and then (laughs) in move or recover. Okay. Those are the three columns. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about may battle, then may delve Jake choose a clearing
0: whose suit matches the card suit. You must initiate a battle there. If enemy pieces are there, then if you rule the clearing and it has at least one keeper warrior, you may delve there as follows parentheses, even if there was no enemy to battle, end parentheses. A, sub-step one, move <laughs> and flip relic. Move any relic from an adjacent forest into that clearing. Flip that relic so its value is showing if it is not. Yeah, it's like our fun surprise. Step two, check for discard. Count the number of clearings you rule adjacent to the forest from which you dealt the relic. If you rule fewer of these clearings than the relic's value, then you must discard that the retinue card used to take this action. That's kind of our local rule around the forest, right? Right. And you don't really you don't lose the relic. You don't not gain the points. You lose the card. Specifically yeah. the red.
1: Right. You right. decided to sleep in that denizen's backyard and they are uh, <laughs> pissed at you and they're kicking you out.
2: <laughs> right. So this is very interesting because we have a forced battle. If we want to delve, we must first battle, assuming there are enemy warriors there. If there are no enemy warriors there, then we don't have to worry about it. This is why going against factions like the cats. Might be a problem because there's always going to be someone to battle, you know, and there's always a risk of an ambush that the cats player could supply.
1: Right. Or the Woodland Alliance, even like sure. It's nice to get the point from the sympathy, but it means you're going to be coughing up cards that would otherwise be going into your retinue later in the turn.
2: Oh, my gosh. I thought the lizards hated the Woodland Alliance, but oh, boy. The Badgers yeah. The Badgers and the Woodland Alliance almost have a more hostile relationship than the lizards and the Woodland Alliance. It is we'll get into it later. Toxic. But. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Alright, and then our last call move or recover. Jake.
0: <laughs> move or recover. Choose a clearing whose suit matches the card suit. Then take a move from it or recover relics from it as follows. Substep one. Take relic. Take a relic there of the same type as a way station there. Place it in your leftmost empty relic space of that relic type. Uh, Just a quick reminder, there's three rows. Each row associates with a type of relic. And then there's four columns as well, which when you fill one column up, because you're always doing the leftmost, you'll then gain the two point bonus if you get all three. Yep. Step two, score points. Score victory points equal to the relic's value and score two victory points if you filled a relic's column. Step three, check for discard. Count the number of clearings you rule whose suit matches the clearing from which you are recovering the relic. If you rule fewer of these clearings than the relic's value, you must end this recover action and discard the retinue card used to take this action. Otherwise you may return to the take relic step or end this recover action.
1: Oh, so that very last sentence is I think one of the keys to what makes the Badgers a burst faction. It Mm -hmm. is actually this last sentence that is so crucial. So again, this is the step where what we're caring about is the matching clearings, right? It's all rabbit clearings or all mouse clearings or something. The thing here, and this is kind of straight from a Euro game, it's like a tiny efficiency that once you discover it, like really changes the way you view this faction. You can return to the top of the take relic step. During your move or recover step with the Mm -hmm. same card that you use to initiate the action. So if you're using the faithful retainer to recover, you know, a a figure in a mouse clearing, you know, you check all the things, whatever. As long as you're able to hang on to that faithful retainer, you don't discard it, then you can go back and take another relic. So if you have like two or three relics in the same clearing, you can recover all three in one action
2: using one card assuming you have the proper way stations there. But even if you have one figure relic and one figure way station and one tablet relic and one tablet way station, you can still use one card to recover both of those relics. That's right. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. This This is the ability, the fact that you can kind of loop this ability a couple of times without, you know, losing the card until you, like, you know somehow do later on if you don't have enough clearings uh the fact that you can loop this ability means that you can end up scoring crazy points uh with the patches
2: it makes them incredibly strong and when we get into like strategy and like what we're going to do in the early mid game the the basic strategies here is we want to put as many cards as we possibly can into this retinue because we don't, we're not like the birds where we have to take these actions otherwise we lose our government and lose a bunch of points <laughs> all right that's everything's a may we don't have to use any of these cards so just giving ourselves options on every future turn is just so good definitely and we're going to want to do that as I, much as we can
1: before we um move on I do want to point out that there's there's one thing in this last column that gets overlooked and it shouldn't and that's the <laughs> fact that you can also move <laughs> yeah. for this step. And in fact, you might want to, right? After you like delve a relic from a forest, you may want to like take that relic and schlep it over to a way station somewhere else. Right. And that's the beauty of having the potential to move in this column. But notice it's an ore. So you can, if you choose to move, then you've used that card to move and you cannot use it to recover. So mm. you got to kind of pick how you're going to use those cards in that last column very
2: kind of thoughtfully right but it, it's great because you can uh, if you have multiple cards in that column you could move it to a place where you can then recover it assuming the cards match and line up but that's pretty easy to do interesting
1: yeah love the retinue this is this is the brain Bernie mm-hmm. um, you know classic keepers and iron complexity puzzle that oh it's just so intriguing <laughs> I love it
2: yeah, and and of no, we don't have like daylight actions where we get to like move for free or anything. Like this is this is it. This is the action economy. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, you This is it. the puzzle. Well, that's why. Yeah, so
0: yeah. I, that's why I'm so interested to hear you say how flexible they are, Sam. Given that this is kind of what they have to do, they have a bird-like problem of programming and are locked into that in some ways.
2: Yeah, it's just that it doesn't have the downside of the mm-hmm. birds' program. Mm-hmm. Uh, It it doesn't feel like programming because if something's wrong in the program, the whole thing falls apart. It feels more like a menu. uh, Potential actions on Mm -hmm. any given turn. Sure, sure. You know, it feels like almost like uh, if if the cats could just play a bird card, and that means they had an extra action on every subsequent turn. Right, it's kind of what it feels like,
1: Um, and that's what I think we mean when we say flexible is. Um, bird cards, mostly. Yeah. Because uh, it's unrestricted. You can add as many as you want to the retinue, up to up to 10 cards total.
2: Up to 10 cards can be in the retinue, right?
1: And if you have a bird card sitting in there, I mean, that means you can move however you feel like. You can battle wherever you want. You can recover in whichever clearing
2: suits your, your needs. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the main... That's the headline of this faction. Let's kind of get into the kind of more... Uh, fun little, like, special bits about the faction. Uh, Jake, can you tell us about Devout Knights? Ugh, oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Devout Knights, in battle, if the clearing of battle has at least one relic and at least one Keeper Warrior, the Keepers ignore the first hit they take. If ambushed, ignore one hit from the ambush, but do not ignore further hits. When moving, the Keepers may move one relic with each Keeper Warrior that they move. So this is like a, a kind of count i guess we haven't talked about uh eating their young is that what it's called live off the land yeah (laughs) i knew what it was (laughs)
2: eating their young
0: this is the counter to the fact that they uh aren't really allowed to amass uh well they are they take a hit if they amass more than four warriors in the clear four or more warriors in the clearing but they also have this ability which is that they get to use the relics as a artifact of holy protection
2: Yeah, I guess the badgers are just, like, extra protective of their relics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even so, yeah, like Jake said about the ambush, it's interesting. If if you attack somebody as the badgers, and of note, this ability works in both attack and defense. If you attack somebody and have a relic with you and they ambush you, you only lose one warrior from that ambush. Mm. However, then once the roll goes in, then you've already used your Devout Knight's ability and that roll is for real. Yeah. Uh So you don't get it twice in that battle. Got it. The ambush kind of like heads it off. Right. Essentially. So
1: the ability to soak a hit in root is really good because yeah. the dice only goes up to three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So being able to soak one hit right. is going to reduce a lot of damage over the course of the game. So Sam, shouldn't you just keep a relic with your group of badgers at all times? Well...
2: Mm, no <laughs> however uh there there are some strategies we're going to talk about that do y- try to make the most of devout knights um and I do want to shout out this little stat right now which is uh some people especially if you were if you delve one of the lower value relics where it's like oh this is only worth a point to me just one point or, or it can like activate your entire army to have devout knights Right. So I think there's a a way of thinking about the badgers where you can use those one value relics to activate devout knights and go on an attacking spree. Yeah.
0: Oh, use it to suppress
2: the other people early, because as an attacker, if you have devout knights, you have a 75 percent chance of taking zero hits in that battle.
1: Wow. That's huge. It's actually better as the attacker than it is as the defender.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it it it's a really interesting way, and we'll kind of talk about uh, the different kind of paths you can take with badgers, but uh, that ability is not to be ignored. Yeah. That is as pretty good on the offense. Yeah,
1: that's that's a, the classic phrase. You know, you fight fire with jewelry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But you're right, Kyle. We don't want to be just having relics hanging around willy nilly. And that is because of our next ability <laughs> prized trophies. Jake?
0: Whenever an enemy removes a relic, they place it in any forest face up and score an extra point for a total of two.
2: Right. So our cardboard's even juicier than other cardboard. Mmm, mmm, cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah.
1: And it goes back into the forest, which is a total bummer.
2: Yeah, it, guess what? They're not going to put it in the forest near you. No, That's they're going to put it in do. the worst one, always. Yeah, they're going to put it in the worst one. It stays face up, so you at least know what you're getting into later, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: but. That information stays revealed. That's cold comfort, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, I, I want to say, I think prized trophies is a special ability In the same way that exposure is a special ability for the Corvids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Just something at the top of your player board you wish people wouldn't read. Yeah, (laughs) There you go. Yeah,
1: Martial Law is another good example.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we got Juicy Cardboard, folks. And it makes it all the more worth it for other players to come out and get it from us. Um, Think about it like this. A three-point relic that completes a column is worth five points to us as the Badgers. And it's worth two points if somebody comes and battles it away. Right. So that is a seven-point swing.
0: They do have to do it in the context of Devout Knights, right? Which is if they want to battle it away and there's presumably a Keeper watching over it, it's going to be, there's a, what's the percentage chance of, of hitting a Keeper?
2: Ooh, good question. Thank you.
0: Well, we know if we are the attacker, if we go back to our stats from uh, the dice rolls, there is a 31.25% chance of rolling a two and a 43.75% chance of rolling a three. And in either of those outcomes, as a attacker, you would at least deal one hit, right? If there was Devout Knights, because there's going to subtract one of those at a minimum. So that's a 75% chance to get a hit right to get
2: one hit to one get one or more hits yeah, yeah right yeah so it, you know it's going to be it's going to be rough going mm-hmm. but if you're talking about oh do i need to take my whole turn going and attacking somebody when you think about it like a 7 point swing yeah it does feel worth it sure so that prized uh trophy's ability uh is <laughs> Is something to keep in mind. That's why we don't want relics hanging around that aren't super defended. Now, if you've got three or four keeper warriors in a clearing, like, it's going to be hard. But if, you know, like, if a moles player can kind of, like, dig there and they've got, like, three or four battles ready to go, like... It might be worth it, especially if there's a way station there, extra cardboard, two relics like it, it can be way worth their time going out of their way to do it.
1: Absolutely. And with the additional benefit of uh, chewing through all your warriors, too. Right. And that's that's you, you as the Badgers need those warriors to win the game and recover stuff. So, yeah, um, any major loss of warriors and relics is going to definitely be a huge setback. So don't leave it on the board as a big yeah. fat target. yeah badgers
2: have an interesting relationship with warriors and cards and stuff and that will certainly set you back is losing a big chunk of badgers and your relics all right we've got in camp and d camp j yeah
0: in camp once per clearing you may replace a keeper warrior with a way station if you have no warriors or no way stations on the map, instead, place one way station and one warrior in any clearing on the map edge. In either case, you may place a way station face up or face down. Now, Sam, how do you denote what is face up and face down? Because you said they were just two different sides but with different relics, right?
2: Yeah, I really wish that's not the phrase in the law, face up <laughs> or face down. It's, they're just different faces. There's not one that's right. up or down. One's yeah, a canvas tent. The other faces. one is... I guess what they want Bamboo. to know is, like, when you put them on your board there, because they do have a spot on your board, it's not like you have to place that one the way it's positioned on your board. You can, when you place it, you get to choose which side. Got All it. Right. Yeah.
0: Decamp. Once per clearing, you may replace a way station with a keeper warrior. Now, notably, these come one after the other. And as we know in how we follow root rules, you have to go from top to bottom in uh birdsong daylight and evening right
1: yeah yep so this is the first thing that happens in birdsong for the keepers is the choice about way stations right and as we know from uh the retinue the way stations are how you recover relics and score points so this step the very first decision you make on your turn is so critical to being able to like get points down the line
2: you have to choose to in camp and then you have to choose to decamp and it you know it's it's a it's a tricky thing
1: so what's the benefit of encamping? What, is, what do way stations get you aside from a spot to recover
2: relics? Oh, it's so key. It is the key part of the badgers setting themselves up, right? You want to encamp as much as possible, as this is the primary way to increase your card draw, which we'll talk about is so important. I would say the molds, the lizards, and the badgers are the three factions that really care about card draw.
1: Is there any reason to not put all of your... Way stations
2: on the map on your first no. turn. You should well, just always do that on your first right? turn. You can only do two because you right. will be in two uh, clearings at the beginning of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. But yes, uh, we'll talk about it. But double encamping on your first turn is by far the only thing I can say with 100% certainty that you should do.
1: Yeah, because those cards are going to be the engine of your retinue. Yeah. Uh, They are also going to help you recruit, which is actually our third step in Birdsong.
2: Yeah. And it's going to prevent live off the land in those starting clearings. Ooh,
1: very true. Before
2: we get to live off the land, though, I want to say decamping is a necessary evil. Okay. We would prefer to never decamp. We would prefer our opponents to remove these buildings for us on their turn. This is why you'll see. Badger games where Badgers just leave those way stations behind. They are more than happy for you to get a point because, again, they're very good at racing. So they're fine giving you a point so that then on their next turn, they can in camp because if they that stays around, they have to decamp, which takes place after in camp, meaning that they will not get the extra card draw that turn. It's really
0: important for them to be able to keep recruiting like steadily, though, right? So they can in camp when they need to
2: yes yeah we're gonna we're gonna want uh, c- because we have to recruit at way stations right uh we want as much flexibility with that as possible because we might draw just fox cards and if yeah. we have no fox buildings then we can't recruit right
1: and notably on the whole flexibility thing in camp is super flexible for two reasons one is you don't have to rule the clearing to put a building down right that's this is the just only faction in the game
0: <laughs> you just slap that thing up no
1: matter where you are as long as there's an open building slot yep um and two is it's just one warrior that kind of converts into it so if you got keeper warriors in a couple of different clearings around the map it's going to be really tough for your opponents to know exactly where you're going to encamp to have that way station
2: yep yeah so again in camp great decamp we'd prefer not to do it in these early games you're playing with people, they will be like, why are you leaving a building undefended? I'll go out and take that and you can be like, mm-hmm, you've fallen into my trap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, next I will encamp
1: way closer to all the rest of the relics on this board and make my life <laughs> so much easier.
2: <laughs> exactly, and get an extra card. Yeah. Whereas uh, if if the players are listening to this guide and going against the badgers, you might want to leave those buildings alone. Make them decamp them. Make them make sure they don't get that extra card draw that turn.
1: Yeah, in the, in the words of uh marcus the cat on his excellent guide uh he says a savvy table will know when
2: to leave those way stations alone Mm -hmm. absolutely all right and now our last ability live off the land this is actually in the
0: evening uh live off the land you must remove one keeper warrior from each clearing that has four or more keeper warriors right
2: so this is punishing you a little bit from balling up. But again, it's not saying that you can't have more than four. Right. It, it doesn't means... reduce
0: you down to four. It's just you have to lose one. So if you have eight, you get knocked down to seven.
2: Right. So this restriction is also not too difficult to work around. Uh, you're going to want to send those badgers that would be removed from live off the land into new clearings where they can encamp next turn. Right. And like Kyle mentioned, that last column is recover or move so you always have an option of like oh this guy's if you have four four is kind of the worst number to have in a clearing because it's just going to reduce you down to three you might as well just have you're going to lose it anyway yeah so you might as well just move him somewhere so that maybe next turn he could encamp and then start a whole new you know badger parade going in a different direction
0: also hopefully he's clogging up somebody else in some way right
2: yeah yeah all right so that is live off the land
0: what does that thematically mean?
2: Oh, yeah. What is going on thematically? Are they eating no, that I, badger? I think I have a reasonable explanation for this. Okay. They live
0: off the land, as in they they are always in these temporary huts, these way stations that they make, mm-hmm. that they don't really have time to also bring cookware. It's mostly just, like, <laughs> cleaning imp- instruments and stuff to make sure the relics look nice for when they enshrine right. them, right? So. I think that they only live off the the berries and stuff that's in that clearing or around it. And they simply can't feed everybody adequately
2: if they have more than four dudes or three dudes. These keepers are like not cool, you know, (laughs) literally like they're zealots. Yeah, they're stealing the woodlands relics and then they can't even feed their own people. Now, are they
0: reclaiming (laughs) them? It's their heritage. That's what they
2: claim. But right. in the lore, it makes it explicit that the Woodlands not too sure about that. Well, also, the Badgers are not from the
0: Woodland. The badgers are not from the. What woodland. faction is the Woodland? Like, yeah, we're sure about your aims.
2: <laughs> I feel like they understand where the birds are coming from. They don't love them, but they get where they're coming from because the birds are from the Woodland. Right. But the Badgers but they are were like di- coming. They
0: were tyrants. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. But we get but th- it. the enemy. You know. Right. right now. <laughs> All right. Kyle, you got anything about Live Off the Land?
1: Yeah. I. Um, the thing is, is I, I just feel like a large percentage of your first couple of plays with this faction are going to be like, all right, and then I'm going to move here and recover. Wait, no, I meant to leave one guy behind because of Live Off the Land. <laughs> yeah. And just like <laughs> yeah. know that that's going to happen and be okay with that for the first couple of plays. You'll get the hang of it. But kind of this thing I, I keep noticing about the Badgers is like you kind of leave little straggling <laughs> single warriors just like around. Yeah, and it's actually kind of helpful because just in case you need to end up in camping somewhere later on, having that just like one guy chilling in a far flung clearing can actually save you the game later on if people are trying to check you really hard.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, straggling badgers is 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 very key. <laughs> straggling badgers is viable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally viable. <laughs> um. In Sea Coyotes Guide, they have names for each of the badger formations that you can like make. Whether it's like having a bunch of concentrated forces and a couple clearings, that's or kind called of a badger out. cluster. That's a badger cluster. Well, the badger cluster is like a very even distribution.
1: Yeah, but then there's the badger <laughs> ball, the which badger is a large ball, ball of badgers.
2: <laughs> yeah, and all of these have names. We're not going to get too into it, but just know that these resources are there. Like a double platoon. <laughs> <laughs> the double platoon is solid. Okay, anyway, anyway, here we go. It's time to get into to this. It's time to get into <laughs> this faction's crafting ability. Ooh, okay. And for the badgers, it's pretty decent. Right. It is pretty easy for us to set up our crafting pieces in clearings where we need them, right? And that's this way stations, is right? Yeah, it's way stations, so in yeah. camping. It's very easy to do that. Um, And because we can decamp them and re-encamp them elsewhere the next turn it gives us a lot of flexibility now granted we all, we have a max of 3 so we have to be diligent about where they go and obviously we want them to be in certain clearings to rule so uh we're limited in that way but um things that are bird craftables are certainly going to be easy to do because we're always going to try to have as many way stations on the map as possible absolutely so let's talk about the cards in the base deck we've got Better Burrow
0: Bank. Better Burrow Bank. At the start of Birdsong, you and another player draw a card.
2: Oh, this is so good. For reasons we haven't quite gotten into, cards are super key. I guess we've talked about it. The retinue. Yeah. And when we add cards to the retinue, we haven't said this yet. You can add as many cards as you want. Yeah. Yes, Sam. That is correct. You can (laughs) add as many cards as you want, up to 10. But you're not going to have ten cards in your hand.
0: So we we spend cards to recruit, and then we quote unquote spend cards. I guess we put them in the retinue. You know, we assign right. yes. the retinue. Yeah,
2: exactly. This is the balance of the whole faction: is do you put these cards in the retinue or do you need to recruit them? Which is why or do you craft we want them, right?
1: Right. It feels like the, you're kind you of being tugged them? in a lot of different directions. So that card wealth is massively important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the keepers. But yeah, anything yeah. that increases that card wealth, like Better burrow Bank, is just going to make your life easier.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And another card that might help is Tax Collector. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, definitely a good craft.
1: Also, uh, not the most difficult, right? Because it requires one of each suit right. in order to craft it, which is totally doable with the, the keepers. And uh, Jake, do you want to read Tax Collector for us?
0: Tax Collector, once in daylight, may remove
2: one of your warriors to draw a card. Oh, this so ability can, is so good. You can spend one card for two <laughs> warriors, and then you can take one warrior to draw a card. It's amazing. Ooh, that math works
1: out good. <laughs> oh, Tax Collector is viable, you guys. Okay, um, I want to throw one more on here, which is Scouting Party, I think is mm-hmm. actually really great for the Batchers because during our delve middle column if there's any warriors present we got a battle mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't want a battle cuz you know that that player has an
0: ambush or they're <laughs> acting like they've got one scouting party as an attacker in battle you are not affected by ambush cards that's a really great way to counter the badgers and what was when it's not your turn because especially for those uh low reach factions who could just wait patiently for the badgers to come to them because the badgers are going to go virtually everywhere
1: yeah They're going to roam around collecting those relics and and they got a battle in order to get them out of the forest. And if you ambush them, they might not rule at the end of that battle and then they can't get that relic out. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I don't know. I I feel like it's just a nice safeguard. It takes away, um, any stress or analysis paralysis you might have about, um, where to go in battle, which I think is very helpful in this faction.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of reasons, it's nice to have waystations in non-matching clearings. So having them doubled up in a mouse clearing might be uh, not the best, but I, I wouldn't go out of my way to craft it. But if you're in a situation where you don't really have another place to encamp and it's a mouse clearing and that card comes up, it yeah, it is certainly a very helpful card for those reasons you said, Kyle. Yeah, love it.
1: All right, what about the E&P
2: deck? Alright, yeah, because that's basically all from the base deck we got. Yeah, I guess Seriously. Armors. Yeah, whatever. You kind of, you already got Armor with the relics, you know? Armors is a great card. Craft it. Put, it's, a bird it's a bird card. card. Put it in it's the a retinue. Card. Yeah, Put yeah it in the you're retinue.
0: using it in the retinue. Yeah,
2: yeah. Alright, here we go. E&P, Charm Offensive. Charm
0: Offensive, at start of evening, may draw a card and choose another player to score one point.
2: This... I've I've had my beef with Charm Offensive, but the Badgers love Charm Offensive. It is amazing for them. You draw a card at the start of evening, which is right before you would put cards in the retinue. So even if you're going against the Woodland Alliance and have to move and lose a bunch of cards, at the start of evening, you get to draw a card that you know can go into your retinue. Plus, this uh, and- is
1: going to be right after you've scored a bunch of points from Relics, and you're going to have the ability to then distribute a point to someone at the table who's, who's maybe going to be persuaded to not end your game on their turn. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know if one point will do it. But certainly you're going to win the race regardless, so that point is not as big of a deal as if it was like the cat's giving out a point That's or the lizard's true.
1: giving out a point. Totally true.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, charm offensive, super great. It's not a bird card, so it's even better to craft swap meat.
0: once in birdsong may take a random card from another player and give them a card
2: yeah so just like card wealth it's just kind of curating our hand we're hoping to get bird cards this yeah. is a faction that loves bird cards i mean yeah. this it's- is
0: like you're always aiming for bird cards pretty much right like you want to steal them all
2: yeah oh yeah if if you have a hand if you're doing advanced setup which you're doing you're advanced, doing advanced setup, setup if you're listening yeah, to this podcast. job, correct. <laughs> um, if you look at your five cards and so you got three bird cards, you're probably going to take all three bird cards as the Badgers.
1: And we actually got some feedback on our episode where we did our draft that we got a hand that had a couple of bird cards in it and the Badgers were available in the draft and we were like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. And someone mm. was like, wouldn't the Badgers love all the bird cards in that starting hand? I was like, and yeah, you're right. That was <laughs> yeah, 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 a fair point. Yeah, That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. That,
0: yeah. So yeah. if you
1: draw into a bunch of bird cards out of, the, uh, out of the gate, keep an eye on those badgers. It might be a good, uh, good way to do it. But yeah, Sam, you brought up this situation earlier. If you draw three fox cards at the end of your turn as the badgers, then uh, you're not looking forward with hope.
2: No, <laughs> you're hoping so. to in- encamp in a fox clearing and be like, this is my recruit turn. Yeah, <laughs> but swap
1: meet is going to give you a little bit of kind of flexibility or just the ability to recover from a bad draw, kind mm-hmm. of mitigate some of that RNG. All right, we
2: got Marine Broker. Marine or Marine? I don't know. Murine Broker.
0: Whenever another player crafts an item, glare at them and draw a card.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is great. More cards. And it's cards off turn. So we can use these cards for recruiting at the beginning of our turn if we want. Or we can save them for a retinue. But again, card wealth is the bottom line here with all these cards.
1: I feel like it's just not surprising that the Keepers and Iron who deal with all these precious artifacts would really
0: love a card that's called a broker.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Isn't crafting with them another piece of the whole waystation puzzle though because you're you're already balancing the placement of that and the positioning of rule and the positioning of recovery it's
1: it is absolutely and but notice that so far a lot of these have been very inexpensive to craft i mean marine broker is two mouse right yeah 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 everything else has been pretty
0: low like there's really nothing above two except for tax collector so what my question is though is like what do we kind of prioritize with our way station placement because or I mean are there any cards we sh- that would incentivize us to uh prioritize crafting more on the whole way station placement more so than the re- the relic recovery
1: I mean rabbit cards for the card or sorry rabbit clearings for the card draw
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. right we keep talking about how getting card advantage getting card wealth is just going to make your game more epically awesome um so if you have the choice between like a fox clearing and a rabbit clearing to set that way station like maybe go for the rabbit clearing like you know more cards in the ENP deck that are in that rabbit world are going to be able to get you extra cards yeah even if you don't have it in your hand now you might draw into something like a swap meet which is a small but over the course of the game can be quite effective.
2: Yeah, I would say anything that gets us extra cards is worth it, especially early on. Because point scoring, girl, we got time for that later. You know? But card draw is something we need to get right away. Yeah, we got to take it slow. (laughs) Girl. Girl, we got
0: relics to recover. (laughs) I could totally see you on a tablet. (laughs) Girl, get your armor on. We're going to find some jewelry. (laughs) We're going delving. All right. I know
1: this great spot for jewelry deep in the woods. You're going to wear those (laughs) shoes delving? I don't think so.
2: (laughs) All right. League of Adventurous Mice.
0: Once in daylight, may exhaust an item in your crafted item box to move or initiate a battle.
2: Yeah, I think this is a kind of like a sneaky way to have a couple extra actions. This is really once the table turns on you um, and they have seen that, you know, they're trying to math out what you can do. Having a League of Adventurous Mice is such a flexible move and flexible battle that they're not going to be able to calculate everything you're going to be able to do. This
0: also is good for them to not have because you don't want them to disrupt your rule options by getting a free battle, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too.
1: It might even be more about the move, honestly. Yeah,
2: the move is big. The The League of Adventures Mice
1: sneaky move is something that might be the difference between recovering and not recovering a relic. As we know, if those relics are sticking around on the board for a full turn, especially if the heat is on, uh, they're going to go back in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, just having that extra wiggle room so that if a battle doesn't go your way or if... You know, somebody just piles up a bunch of warriors to make it impossible to get through. You might have the chance to kind of go a roundabout way uh, with an extra move. Yep. Great craft.
2: All right. We got the sister cards here boat builders and Corvid planners. Boat builders, you treat rivers as
0: paths. Corvid planners, while moving, you ignore rule.
2: Uh oh. Suddenly, moving around that board just got a lot easier. Oh, Corvid planners is great for this <laughs> yeah, faction. yeah. When we're talking about having limited numbers and the moves and all that, like just being able to send one badger all the way across the map with a bunch of moves... Uh, or s- sending many badgers to scatter, and then they have no idea where you're encamping <laughs> in the next turn. Like, it yeah, is so cool. It th-
1: sounds like you're describing a formation called badger infestation. That's right.
2: Badger <laughs> infestation is where you put as many badgers in as many clearings as possible to kind of tax the table's action economy. It's kind of like why um, a- trying to control four Suited clearings is the best dominance play rather than focusing on three, because it's really about taxing the action economy at the table rather than uh, just like a big hunk of warriors. right Righty row. All right, and tunnels, a card that is not that good for many factions, but we're going to suggest it for the Badgers here.: Tunnels,
0: okay. You treat clearings with any of your crafting pieces as adjacent.
2: This means we can teleport from way station to way station.
0: This is a great use for badgers.
2: Yeah, this means if we, you know, get a relic that doesn't match one of our way stations, we can then just take one move to move it to the way station. It does match. Right. And again, that column is move or recover. So that could happen in the same column. As long as you
1: can encamp in the clearing where you're delving, I can see this being extra powerful to just like zip to the other side of the map or wherever you need to go. Yeah. Um, it's nice too, that it only costs one rabbit um, crafting power to, to get this one online. Yeah. I like that you've pitched a bunch that are very low cost uh, so that it's easy to get them set up without compromising our kind of placement. Right. Cause I think that's the, the thing about the badgers. Like we say that, Oh, they're so good at crafting, but the, in reality, like, you want to place those way stations kind of with an eye towards recovering more yeah. than crafting almost. Like if yes. if you can craft, that's kind of a bonus, but trying to trying to go for those cards that have a bit of a lower cost is just going to make it easier.
2: Right. And we freaked out about how Corvid planners is so cool, but if I draw Corvid planners to turn 1, I'm putting it in the retinue. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a bird card. Right. And that's the thing is like I think anything
0: that's craftable and a bird card you really gotta weigh how much you want to craft it versus you need it in the retinue that flexibility is undeniable and probably more important because as we said there's 35 points on your board not that you're going to get 35 because you only need 30 but like (laughs) the only way to get there is with flexibility of movement and battling
2: absolutely all right let's get into our prescriptive Kind of informational. It's walk been a through long time
0: since we've done this. Haven't yeah, <laughs> oh, here's yeah. our
1: specifically vague method for how to win with <laughs> the keepers
2: and iron. All right, so picture it. You've sat down at the table, relics in all the forests. Okay, you're trying to map out how you're going to do this. Okay, here's what I know: a hundred percent. Turn one, double in camp. In your two starting clearings, you are encamping in both of those clearings, okay? You're going to want to choose waystations, right? The side of your waystation, which type of waystation. You're going to want to choose those waystations that match the relics around it, all right? We're not trying anything tricky. Uh, If we see that there's a couple tablets nearby within reach, within the couple adjacent forests, we're going to want to throw a tablet down, okay? Tablet waystation. We are hoping to not have to recruit on our first turn. And throw our three starting cards into the retinue in the evening. Okay? That's the goal. That's, that's the dream. Okay. We are hoping to use our move to rule three clearings surrounding the forest. Right? We start on it on edges. We're going to use the first move column in our retinue to move some badgers to hopefully rule the three clearings surrounding a relic. Okay. It doesn't matter if that forest has more clearings than three because the relics only go up to a value of three. Basically, we're trying to safely delve on our first turn
0: safely because 50 percent of those relics are three.
2: Right. Right. always assume a three until you've mathematically ruled it out. Even when you've recovered a three of that type and there's only a 33% chance it's a three, guess what? It's always a three.
0: Now, this this is a little bit of a convenient, like, I know this is all our goal for having a great first turn, but there's also three other players at the table, as we'll always mention. So, like, at what priority do we have of, like, doing this with just two? Because I feel like that's kind of, I'd say 50% of my experience is with the first turn uh, Badgers is, like, they only can get so far.
2: We would rather... Use the card to recruit Mm -hmm. and delve safely. Then lose the card in our retinue. Got it. All right. So we are trying to surround uh, the forest with uh, ruling three clearings, the badger cluster, and delve safely. Recovering on that first turn is optional, but you definitely don't want to recover if it's going to lose your faithful retainer. Right? If those clearings aren't, you know, three foxes or whatever and at this point once you've delved you know what value it is right so if it, if you can recover if it's a one or a two and you've got those clearings then go ahead and recover it uh, if you can't that's not the end of the world yeah most of the time that won't be punished on your first turn right yeah no one's gonna waste their first turn coming after you that hard unless they're you're set up next to the Lord of Hundreds or something you know like there's always then, some game context you have to play are gonna be but- Brutal right.
1: on the Lord of the Hundreds on turn one.
2: Right. And if we're not recovering, then we're moving with that relic to a place where it's going to be safer. Right. So exactly. that Devout Knights is like, you're not going to waste your first turn chewing through three badgers with Devout Knights. Like, no one has that action economy. Not on turn one, at least. So if your first relic is value one, this is where we might consider hanging on to it in a way to trigger Devout Knights. This is where we can kind of go aggro badgers a little bit. There's a school of thought that greatly encourages you to use Devout Knights on the offensive to do some early policing and clearing out of other factions.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. shaping the battlefield a little bit to maybe carve out space for you to rule you know, a couple of those rabbit clearings or whatever it is that you need. Because um, remember, wherever you are doing your battling, that is where eventually you're going to be Drawing those relics into so if you can spend some time like making sure that you can roll that clearing safely that you can like kind of reduce the
2: presence that, you know, may come after you in that area could be useful. And this is where we're thinking about like, you know, those factions that got to be policed early. I'm talking moles. I'm talking vagabond. This is this is where you earn some table cred, you know, because at the end of the game you guys have been in some badger games you're like badgers you're a battling faction can you do anything about that and they're like well I'm kind of like prescribed to do it in these clearings I can't really I gotta recover a relic I can't really help out they can really help police preemptively more than they can reactively.
0: They they'll do it as a matter of convenience right which is really what the badgers should do as a matter of convenience like oh you need me to hit so and so in this clearing that I'm about to go to All right, that's the person I will select to battle. Right, yeah. The worst (laughs) thing to
1: do is to go and throw off your whole scoring (laughs) game, trying to, like, reach out and punch a a faction that's, like, far away for no reason. Right. The the best thing to do is to tie these things together, right? To find the intersection point where your strategy of getting to those clearings where you need to be in order to recover fits in with policing another faction. Mm -hmm. Finding that harmony, that, like, point of intersection is what is going to take an okay Badgers game and make it a great one.
2: Right. So regardless of all of the contingencies we've laid out, our early game is 100% focused on building our retinue. Since your retinue cannot be harmed by your opponents, like the decree or something like literally there's nothing that your opponents can do to harm your retinue. It is only by taking actions on your own turn and failing to do them safely is the only way you can lose those cards. It's no one's fault but your own. (laughs) And I mean, later in the game, you're going to be burning cards out of that retinue because it's like, whatever, Like I'll replace it with the cards in my hand. But early on, we're trying to build up to like... I mean, we're talking about turn three having like ten actions. Yeah, you want to max out on <laughs> turn three in the retinue. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're building to, because after that, you're gonna be getting cards and you can replace cards as you burn them, and it won't be a big deal. But yeah. early on, we are building our decree. Or early on, we are building our retinue. All right. Uh oh, I said think of it like small mole ministers rather than the eerie decree, right? Like in a moles game you're just like oh i'm just gonna sway these ministers as long as i put don't put down a building there's nothing you can do about it i'm just gonna keep accumulating actions right all right since we don't want to lose those cards we need to recover and delve safely so to recover safely that means we're going to need to rule three matching clearings so when we are setting up before turn one this should be a priority choosing clearings on the edge where within a turn or two you can safely rule three matching clearings yeah so when we see that random distribution of clearings we are looking for those clusters and hoping to start near those
1: do you see two rabbit clearings next to each other
2: go find it yeah (laughs) 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 Yeah. yeah lost city great let's grab that you know yes um yeah, we're we're hoping to find those things because there's a school of thought that is, those are all the clearings you need. You just need three matching ones. Yeah. All right, so this is like our big game plan of recovering relics. And this really depends on how scared of the badgers the rest of the table is. But either way, this is kind of some point sh- shading. So we either want two relics of one type, hoping in the late game that we recover the other two types in two columns to do a big burst with those column bonuses. Does this make sense?
1: Yeah. So focus on one type of relic in the early game so that you're scoring kind of under your potential.
2: Right. And then in the late game, like let's say you focused on tablets. So in the late game, you're going to go jewelry and figures and like recovering multiple in the same turn so that they don't even see these column bonuses coming. Okay. That's the really way to shade your points or the more conservative approach that might get you a little bit more heat is to rec- focus on two relics of two types. So getting two figures and two jewelry and being like, I'll grab the tablets in the late game to trigger the column bonuses. But either way, we don't want to trigger those column bonuses right away. All right. we don't. No one likes a show off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you want to go column by column. Because that's going to attract unnecessary heat, and you're going to be getting heat when you can't handle it. Yeah. Whereas and opposed the- to if you b- do that big burst, then basically, unless they're willing to board wipe you, there's not a lot they can do. Right.
1: Yeah, but do- doesn't it mean that if your opponents are looking at your board and they're like, hmm, there's an a lot of tablets left out in these woods. Maybe they're going for tablets now. Maybe yeah, we can do something to stop it. Like, how, right. how do you how do you deal with the table being able to read your intentions?
2: That's that's kind of the the kind of thing that you're gonna have to deal with. You're gonna have to go and get those tablets, and that's gonna be tricky. There, there's kind of two schools of migration. Um. And let's get into it. This is the middle of the game. This is figuring out that puzzle. But early on, we kind of have those two options, right? We can kind of shade our points a lot by just getting one type of relic and then hoping to fill in the other two columns or the other two rows to make the column bonuses. Or we can focus on two rows and really telegraph that, like, we need those tablets in the late game, right? right? Right. Okay. So the mid game offers you this big choice. Are we going to migrate these badgers? Or are we going to send a recover squad?
0: <laughs> recover squad. Badger squad.
2: This far right. on NBC. Badger recover squad. I'm one on. day out from retirement. We found him in a ditch with a tablet slaped over his head. Oh my God. This badger's clearly lived off the land. All right. So at this point in the mid game, we have cleaned up most of the relics that we've wanted to from our starting side of the board. All right. And it's time to position ourselves to grab the relics of the other types on the far side of the woodland. And those two uh, methods are the great badger migration (laughs) and the recover squad. So first, let's talk about the great badger migration. All right. This is where you literally take your entire game <laughs> and you move it across the map and set up shop next to the forest with the relics of the unrecovered types. Mm. Okay?
1: Yeah, so you've cleared out all the local forests and then yeah. you're just going to kick out the, the poles and your tarp shelter <laughs> Yeah, and just sling them over your back and walk across the, the, the entire map.
2: Right. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's you. You have to move like it, it's you're going to take your numbers and move them elsewhere.
1: OK. It, it feels like the Badgers are kind of set up to do this or that maybe it's like part of the design intention. It seems like is to have them, you know, make this great journey over to the other part of the map and say, hello, everyone.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, either way, we're here going over figures. It's just a matter of are we moving our whole game over, you know, and, <laughs> right. and maybe depending on the game or meta, both of these strategies are, are viable, you know, uh, but the migration strategy is the riskier of the two and should only be attempted if your retinue is looking good and you have a decent hand of cards. OK, and this is because it will be hard to encamp and rule many clearings in the late game on the other side of the board, since the players who started on that side have already built up infrastructure and will be more like, and so you're going to be losing more cards when you're trying to delve or recover.
1: Yeah. And you need a good warrior count for this too, because pretty much the only way to open building slots around a dug in opponent is to just straight up battle them down. Like, yeah, there's no easy way around that. And so you're going to need a good hand of cards to recruit. You're going to need, you know the retinue it has to be full of move cards it, yep. yeah it's gonna be and this is gonna cost a full turn to accomplish oh yeah right at you're least. not scoring at all almost right most likely at least
2: right and and that's okay because our burst turns are more we're gonna make up for it and more more than that yeah right
1: but what the um, advantage here what, what's the advantage of this strategy
2: I think the advantage of this strategy is that we're not, we're taking our whole arsenal that we've accumulated to to accomplish this goal.
1: Right. Uh, so it's just that we've got, like, concentrated our forces around the kind of area that we need in order to, like, score those points. Right, right. So that on our subsequent turns, we are very set up to, like, go after certain areas. Yeah, this right. is, Jake, you keep talking about board vision. Right. This is one of the situations where, like, <laughs> Embarking on the Great Migration is a sea change on the map <laughs> And wherever you leave your warriors to rest and fend for themselves for a full round of root uh, it, You know, you've got to really pick your ground very deliberately Correct me, me if understand. I'm wrong
0: though, but like, isn't that true of all badger strategies Is they kind of have to prepare for migration at all times Because there's the relics are scattered all over the board
2: Right. Well, you gotta get to the other side of the board. Yeah. It's just a matter of are you taking everybody to do it? Sure.
1: Yeah. Are you pulling up stakes? Are you
2: decamping
1: and trying to get your way stations settled on a different area?
2: Or are you sending in <laughs> the Recover Squad? <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: devout knights. Look,
2: what I'm saying though is that she's that- been strangled
1: by a necklace. No one ever mentioned anything about. Strangulation. Who
0: recovered the body?
2: <laughs> uh, what I was Delving saying? this fall on NBC. <laughs> oh, He's an American badger
0: <laughs> in a tough world. <laughs> She's a European badger and no nonsense. <laughs> Together, they're gonna decamp all night. <laughs> This fall. All right. Uh, What I'm saying is, is like the skill of foresight, right? Like the badgers are already well-practiced at trying to analyze their path to getting across the map. So this, you should always be prepared for some form of migration, but this is the major one of like getting the whole force over on the other side. And maybe with tunnels or something beneficial, you can also like teleport in a lot of ways too, right? Right. We also have the badger teleporting method of simply having your your camps and your way stations knocked out for you. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. But this next strategy, the recover squad, is we are hoping to hold on to our original three matching clearings for recover, right? When we saw the map and we chose our edge clearings and we, we chose a cluster of like suited clearings, let's say three fox clearings, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been recovering with those. We're hoping to hold on to those, make the recovers super easy, okay? And we're going to send a sizable badger force, a big old badger ball, to to force to just move across the map, rule that one clearing with the big badger ball in it, delve from there, burn the cards from delve, and retreat back using our moves in the last column, and then recover safely. Mm.
1: Yeah, so this one is trying to score the points on the turn. It does require a full retinue to accomplish because yeah. you are adventuring across the board capturing a, a relic but doing a bunch of battles and then moving back and trying to recover at the very end of this whole thing this is called uh in the guide over on Makecraft game i think it's called the kind of triangulation of mm-hmm. the retinue uh and i think that The way you've described it, Sam, I feel like is the most extreme version where you just, like, stay planted on those starting clearings forever and, like, just move around and come back and forth. I feel like in practice that is very hard to do. Yeah. To be, like, totally stuck in those starting clearings. But this kind of, like, limited strike force going out, grabbing a relic, coming back to a way station, this kind of triangle motion, is, like, a pretty core engine mechanic to be aware of with the badgers. And I think in a limited way, you're probably going to use that in all of your games to some extent. Right. Even just to capture the relics that are like in a, you know, corner forest, right. You're not going to bring right. your whole operation out to a corner for no reason. Right. And right. No, You just like send a couple badgers, go grab a relic, come back. Mm-hmm. That's why the last column has that option to move. Right. It's, it's for the, the badger squad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this this means we're losing less cards in recover but more cards in delve. All right? Um so right. it kind of depends on how we've built our retinue up to this point. If we have a lot of flexibility in recover, then maybe this badger squad, uh, the recover squad isn't that big of a deal because we're going to be losing like some suited cards uh from delve and like that's not a big deal. We can replace them with bird cards or something. Um, but if we, it just kind of depends on how you've built your retinue and what's going on with the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the things that's, uh, vulnerable about the recover squad is this leaves, uh, still that three V one can happen because you haven't interrupted everyone else's game as much as you do with the great badger (laughs) migration where you're like, I live here now, you know, (laughs) um, but maybe those you've kind of checked yourself by using so many of your resources mm. to set up shop mm-hmm. across table. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of six of one half dozen of another with these kind of strategies. But I, it'll really come down to the faction mix and where people are in the late game. I think
1: I do think this does depend on the faction mix quite a bit. If, uh, for example, if you are playing against a bunch of red factions, the recover squad might be the safer option. Because mm-hmm. the other th- the nice thing, I'm very partial to the recover squad. <laughs> um, the The nice thing about it too is that that recover squad is going to be doing a bunch of battling so it's like well if I'm going to be in the neighborhood I might as well go over to that clearing and start bopping somebody who needs right. to get bopped and get a relic and just leave yeah other nice thing about the relic, the recover squad is on your way back you can actually leave a single badger behind in those clearings that you're exiting and that is going to be um potential fodder for a future in camp and recruit so you can kind of turn a recover squad strategy into a badger infestation yeah (laughs) which is pretty cool
2: yeah so this is most of the middle game right setting up for these two strats not necessarily going through with either of them yet like it's just kind of like getting the positioning because again we have to we have to think about turns in advance. So our mid game is about setting up for the big burst, or maybe our the end of our mid game is a is the big burst is the kind of idea here. These are turns f- five, four, five, six, mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of is the idea here. Um, so uh, we want to be recruiting once our retinue is near full, ruling clearings and battling away those that stand in our way. Nice. Uh, you don't want to burst ahead in points until the end. We're not, like, being like, oh, it's turn four. Like, let's go for it. You know, we want to <laughs> yeah. be like... Because if we you're wanna at have...
1: 16 and everyone else is at five, like, Ooh. they're going to end your game. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. We're going to... You got to think of it like the Corvid Conspiracy in our guide. You want to have a big swing turn, uh, and we don't want to get stuck at, like, 21 or 22 points. We want to get stuck at, like, 24, 25 points, where it's, yeah. like... We can seemingly do one more recover, uh, some crafting, some battling to the end. So let's talk about the end. Here we go, baby. It's burst in (laughs) time. Hopefully by now we've either done our two relics of two different types uh, or positioned ourselves to recover multiple relic types at once. Right. Those are the two things we talked about at the beginning. The point here being is we want to hit multiple column bonuses on the same turn, bursting us to victory or near unstoppable victory. The reason being the Badgers will become public enemy number one if they aren't already. And stopping the Badgers is possible. We've seen many a tournament game where, you know, they'll pull all the faction abilities out of the woodwork, a snare lock we've seen. I mean, even... here's here's the real killer here's how they're gonna do it if they're gonna kill you it's they're going to nearly board wipe you killing all badgers except for one (laughs) and then filling all of that clearing with the badgers building slots uh with their buildings uh and that will just end your game because essentially you cannot encamp there because the building slots are full and so there you then you can't recruit any more badgers and you can't move from that clearing.
0: Awful. So
1: that's it. <laughs> right. Because the, the comeback mechanic for the Badgers is pretty good. If you have right. no warriors or way stations on the map, instead place one way station and one warrior in any clearing on the map edge. Which is actually amazing for the Badgers because that means they get to reposition for free. In a clearing where you can recruit. Right. Right. Hopefully it matches something in your hand and then you can just instantly recruit. So by wiping you all the way out, your opponents would actually help you. So they're right. gonna just leave the most like paltry force
2: behind that can't go anywhere. Right. It's it's pretty easy to lock you out of the game. If they really want. You know, it well if the game requires it, if you force them to, <laughs> essentially. You know? I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, it's what you gotta do. Uh, so ideally, we want to recover to 24 or more points and then battle and craft our way to victory. Hopefully our retinue is strong and that even uh, if the table of, uh, attempts to stop all of our recovery, we can eke out one more or or just battle to the end. You know, that's why having the retinue being flexible and full is so important. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about retinue makeup here because we, we didn't touch on it. Um, I believe we really want to have bird cards in as as many of the columns as we can. But for sure, early on, we're going to want two bird cards in that first move column. That's just going to give us our flexibility of positioning. Because again, setting up early positioning is going to be key. Eventually adding another bird card there is fine. Battle then may delve is kind of where our suited cards are going to go if they have to. Uh, And we're trying to match those with the places we're delving because you know we can if we have to burn it on delve that's fine. We we can we can add another card there. And then we're going to want a couple bird cards in recover. And that's because it's also move or recover. Right. Right? So that positioning being flexible. On the ends, you want to keep those blue. Just kind of like the birds, you know. You want recruit and build in blue and this you want move and move or recover in blue. Uh late in the game, you know, if your positioning is good Remember, you can add as many cards or you can shift one of the cards into a different column. That's, that's how you add things to the retinue. Uh, so you could shift one of those bird cards from move to move or recover late in the game if you feel like that's necessary. Something I think is still underutilized is that shift. How many points do we need on our last turn? Usually like three to six. And our striking range is honestly anything ab- above 14 we could do on a single turn. That's pretty good. If yeah. everything lines up, you know.
1: If everything lines up and the the, you know, board is not paying too close attention.
2: Right. But it's like that classic like I think your early games if people haven't like researched the badgers a lot, it could have those early woodland alliance game feels where it's like, "Wait, what how? just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it depends on how your group is playing rude if if you're super into the winter tournament TTS meta like that's not going to happen um but if you guys are all just like oh what are the new factions like watch out badgers could do that if if they're piloted appropriately dominance you know <laughs> we're we're probably the not going to be dominance have to
0: say in every yeah. guide
2: yeah we're probably not going to do dominance even though i feel like Right, like we have to rule clearings yeah, of a type. But you know? fifteen it's, warriors. Yeah, you're right. It's just not unrecovered just not relics. Okay. Like, what? Hear me
1: out. Hear me out. So they get Devout Knights going.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know where you're going with this.
1: And they just park themselves in a bunch of different clearings. Battle down the other factions in order to like get those relics in there. And then just hang tight for a full turn. That could work, right? I
2: guess so. Yeah, early on, yeah, I I feel like a badger dominance strategy could happen. I also think soup kitchens is honestly the answer.
0: That's what I was wondering. Was oh, um, I did not even think is about like that. or honestly bird dominance right is where they can get just to those opposite sides of the map and make one big migration and then strengthen two clearings to the point to where yeah. they're impenetrable. Soup yeah. kitchens is interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, honestly the bird dominance is
1: probably better in the retinue. Uh, <laughs> no, 100 yeah,
2: percent i mean every dominance is let's be real
0: <laughs> but we have to
1: have the recruit yeah. recruit is soup kitchens work. is wild to think about though although that does mean yeah. your way stations are in uh one clearing of each suit which is kind of annoying
2: yeah I, for one turn you know you just got to craft soup kitchens at some point right they're not yeah. going to see that dominance play coming i'm telling Honestly, you badgers. soup kitchens, soup kitchens.
1: is pretty <laughs> handy for uh for the badgers
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. Soup kitchens might be just viable in general. We should have mentioned it, but anyway. (laughs) Okay, it's a bird card. You should put it in the red. Okay, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Weaknesses or things to watch out for. We've already talked about them. It's the 3v1, uh, putting a big old target on your back, and the soft lock, where they're going to battle down all your badgers except for one, fill up the building slots, and lock you in that clearing. Yeah.
1: And that's the most extreme example of that, but really I I feel like the badgers are similar to the moles mm-hmm. in that they very much care about their warriors. Or maybe like the the river folk company, right? Like if you start taking out their warriors, like they have to spend cards to recruit. Yeah. And it just quickly they start having to make these, you know, Sophie's choices between do I like make my action economy happen or do I have any warriors to do anything with, you right. know, like so you can you can set them back in a big way by just straight up going after their warriors. I feel like I say this about every faction. I'm just like, just punch <laughs> them.
2: <laughs> but yeah. like, well, it's true though, Kyle. Because fair. they have to spend cards for warriors and they want to put cards in the retinue. That's the best way to just like keep them at bay. But this isn't a versus Badgers guy. True. Uh, even though when I was writing this, I couldn't help, but I was always putting it in like, the thing about the Badgers player is, I'm like, wait, 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 we are the Badgers. <laughs> yeah, players. I know. You know, I had to like shift my. Brain. I thought
0: the same thing.
2: Yeah. Okay, let's get to some faction interaction. <laughs> this one's fun. Yeah, this is fun. All right, so cats. Uh, cats are a big pain in the Badgers' side. They clog up the board, and they're going to make migration super difficult. Mm-hmm. That big badger migration—if the—if the cats are on the other side of the board, forget about it. Like those building slots, like it's going to be hell.
1: And this uh, isn't brought up too often, I think, but the cats start in every right. The cats start in every clearing, which means that the first turn battle and delve is most likely going to be against a cat. Mm-hmm. And how many warriors are you bringing to battle and delve? It's it, usually it's like two, two
2: it's and so if ambushable. If you lose one of
1: those against an opening cat, like it ugh, it just feels so annoying and then you've got that one relic with your one badger, like it just <laughs> things start feeling very thin right away.
2: Yeah. It's gross. <laughs> but on the plus side, the cats are going to supply the uh map with plenty of mm, cardboard to eat. Uh so you're going to pump your center column Uh, of battle and delve full of suited cards that you're willing to burn in order to successfully delve for relics in the cat territory, right? That's going to be the way to get around with the cats. You can delve from the clearing with the keep as long as you rule it. Mm. Yeah, because the relics technically move, right? They They don't get
1: placed. So even if you're in the clearing with the keep, as long as you rule that clearing, you can delve a relic into it.
2: The thing is, you're not going to be able to recover there because you can't encamp there
1: because Correct. you can't yeah. replace a warrior there. Yeah. So you're going to have to leave for sure. Yeah. But just just a fun interaction to think about. It's fun.
2: That is fun. That is fun. <laughs> that is a, that is fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, birds. Another faction that likes to expand uh, the God of War strategy with the charismatic leader and commander in the late game are especially dangerous for us. Um, They're mobile and aggressive, uh, or sorry, the mobile and aggressive Eerie builds can keep Badger's numbers critically low. So uh, focus on sustaining early card draw in order to keep your recruitment humming along.
1: Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, too, is because the Badgers are great at battling, keep an eye on that decree. As soon as you see a suited card hit recruit for the Eerie, now's maybe a good time to think about, like, hmm, maybe I should start you know recovering in that suit and maybe i need to be right where that roost is located right <laughs> yeah so it, yeah you got to find those points of harmony where your scoring objectives match up with your ability to kind of you know pummel your, your opponents in a way that counts <laughs>
2: yeah all right the woodland alliance welcome to the thunderdome <laughs> 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 These these two factions are so crazy together, you guys. All right, so losing cards sucks. We talked about this, how card wealth is, like, the most important thing. And they're just going to be in the way. You have to move places and battle there, you know? And you're going to be like, well, I kind of want the point. But that means I'm losing two cards.
0: Yes, yeah, and cards are so valuable. So is there, but is there a thing here where we've thrown an, the right stuff in our retinue where it doesn't matter because our hand is largely empty of what we would give them. No, because the, the retinue
1: stocking happens at the very end of your turn. Right. So all these daylight actions, so you always where you're have moving around and battling tokens and all that jazz. It's going to just totally sap your hand of cards before you even get to that step. So if the Wooden Alliance is spreading right on top of the Badger's, uh, it's it's super annoying to deal with cuz like you you just won't have the same number of cards to pump up your retinue and it might take you like 4 or 5 turns to hit that number of
0: uh, 10 like a full retinue which is horrible so how do you preempt this in your setup because the alliance starts nowhere
2: yeah luckily we start with martial law in those clearings mm-hmm. so that's helpful um I would say if you know you're going to be going trouncing through sympathy and battling it, spend those cards on recruiting. Right. Mm -hmm. Something I should have mentioned early on is when we're in camping, it's super helpful to have uh, clearings of different suits because that's just going to be more flexible for recruiting if that's what we have to do. Right. Um So if you're going to be trouncing through sympathy, you might as well recruit a bunch because hopefully by the end of it, you're at least creating martial law in the clearings, even though you've given them two cards probably off the top of the deck. So annoying. Um, (laughs) But we are getting extra points. And as we said, this faction has enough points. So they kind of accelerate each other's games very quickly. Sure.
1: Um, Be prepared for a retinue full of suited cards, though. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a good point. The
1: alliance is going to sap all of your bird cards like right away, right? So it's going to take a little extra effort on your end to do that kind of board visualization. Um, to to use those suited cards instead of having that like you know, forget about a bird
2: card. Mm, <laughs> yeah. On the plus side, devout knights is a great answer to guerrilla warfare. So true, like. I mean, obviously, the 75% as an attacker doesn't hold true anymore because, <laughs> you know, we don't take the high roll right. anymore. But, I mean, any advantage you can get on battling the Woodland Alliance is helpful. And, you know, you might sit there and, and take out their base if that's what you need to do. Yeah. I saw on one of the guides, I can't remember which one, said that the player that wins this interaction between the Woodland Alliance and the Badgers will win the game. Whoa. That's because they accelerate their games so right. much. Love that.
1: Hey, yeah, so I, I found this quote. It's uh, yeah, from uh, Marcus the Cat's guide over here on BGG. Uh, we will leave a link in the description of this podcast. So the Woodland Alliance is one of the best faction counters to a Badger game. Uh, one of the craziest anomalies of this dynamic is the winner of the brawl often wins the game. The Badgers, because of all the cardboard they gobbled up. The Woodland Alliance, because of all the outrage Badgers triggered by trying to defeat them. So yeah, you're right. They kind of rev each other up. And whoever can uh, come out on top or have retained the most advantage at the end of it is going to be the winner. Could pretty much win the game.
2: All right. The Vagabond. Not very exciting. It's not not that big of a deal. They don't (laughs) rule clearings. They don't cost us cards from our hand. They might even give us cards. That's what I was going to say. Isn't that an
0: interaction we're really interested in? Is uh, crafting an item and letting them come over and give us a card for it?
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Probably one of the safe items. Give them a bag. Give them a boot. Yeah,
0: this is actually a benefit. Not necessarily an antagonist. And they're going to be less incentivized to hit you if Devout Knights are up. But also, there's the catch-22 of that juicy extra point on your cardboard. Which Then that's a three-point piece of cardboard. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. And the warriors in the way, assuming you're playing rules as written.
1: Right. So what I would say is be cautious about leaving those undefended way stations lying about. Right. uh, Because that's going to be easy points for the Vagabond. Okay. And additionally, be on the lookout for a crossbow wielding Vagabond to come after your unrecovered relics.
2: Yeah. Recover your relics. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time, it's fine to leave those lying around, but Vagabond and moles can challenge you. For sure. All right, Riverfolk. Ooh, ooh, more cards you say? <laughs> uh, this is a great faction for the badgers to interact with. You can buy once with relative safety. You don't have, you know, I know you only have 15 warriors, but an extra card? That's sure, pretty good. Yeah. Usually you don't get all 15 badgers on the board, so it's fine. And they're probably going to spend two of them to give you a, you know, to do the whole trade post thing anyway, you know. Right.
1: And the um, Riverfolk don't have any buildings. And they don't tend to rule that many clearings. So I feel like this is a very symbiotic relationship.
2: Yeah, they're going to be taking out your way stations that you leave lying around because they're trying to make up for that point gap from their board to 30.
1: I do feel like, though, because of how mobile the river folk tend to be and how kind of small the concentration of warriors usually is for badgers, that this is one of those factions that will just ball up and come and smash you. Mm -hmm. leave you with one warrior, and then just go on about their business. (laughs) Yeah. So be careful about feeding the river folk if you're in the game with them. The cards are so nice, but this is definitely a faction that is
2: happy to backstab you. A turn one bird card, though, definitely worth it, I think. Super worth
0: it. They're just the faction that also will just be like, I will battle until I die. And that's what (laughs) you don't want to go up against.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you want to be that faction.
0: They're just the one who just says... Again, every time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Another one. Um, plus, uh, the Riverfolk also supply the map with those delicious trade posts. So True. Yep. All right, Kyle, tell us about the
1: lizards. All right, so uh, if uh, Marcus the Cat is to be believed, this is the other faction that kind of lightly counters the uh, Keepers in Iron. And uh, here's what he says about the lizards. So, the Lizard Gardens, specifically, are good at disrupting clean relic delving and recovery. Fortunately, the Lizards have a tendency to stay out of the middle clearings where you want to be, but in your matchup, they may change tactics to mess with you. And he doesn't go into any more detail here, but I assume what that means is uh, either converting warriors or sanctifying way stations, because on your turn... You're not going to get the benefit of that first move column in any way if your badgers are all stuck at the clearing at the way station Mm. where the way station used to be. And you can't recruit there anymore. Got it. Unless there's an open building slot.
2: What's the badger formation with two big badger balls or two half badger balls? Uh, Double platoon. Double platoon you'd probably want to do. You want to move them to a clearing that you rule, right? Right. If, if it's the only clearing around, if it's a badger ball situation, they don't rule anything around, then that garden will freeze them there, assuming they can back it up with a couple lizards, because, again, they're just going to battle it away. But like Kyle said, that's your whole first column you don't get to use. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, so just be just be careful. They, they can really mess with rule on the map, and what you want to be thinking about in terms of the lizards is pay attention to where they're deploying where they're recruiting their lizards because they they tend to telegraph where they're going to set up that you know secondary garden location pretty early if they're building up in a choke point get there first mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. let them trap you in an area because it can be so difficult to escape yeah that's
0: that's mm-hmm. it the, the, the whole they get there first is kind of a permanency that the badgers can rely on right like very few times in games do the lizards get uprooted 100% it's Such a rarity Yeah Do you abandon that path If you see them In your way You're like Well I You probably have to Reorganize where you're going Right As opposed to yeah. Mustering up the will To fight them that much It's yeah. And give them acolytes doing so right. It's better to right. just Reorganize Right If you have a maxed out Retinue With a bunch of battles
1: It's probably possible to Crunch through a Bunch of lizards in a garden Mm-hmm but remember, unless you rule that clearing, you can't delve a relic. Right. So you actually have to physically battle through every single warrior, and then get the garden or gardens, since they tend to travel in pairs. And at that point, you're able to grab that relic. And like sometimes you might not even want to if you don't have enough badgers left <laughs> at the end of it all. So like it comes at a great cost if you get trapped in, mm-hmm. or if the lizards are cutting off an area that has a bunch of relics. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen on like Lake Map, for example. Um, so yeah, you you just want to. Try and be faster than the lizards, which Good luck. <laughs> I feel like it's not usually a huge <laughs> yeah. issue, but you got to be paying attention yeah. where they're setting up. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. Let's talk about some moles.
1: <laughs> we wrote this as a joke. Oh, this is the easiest factor. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you mean, boy? No. Uh, here's the thing about the moles. It's like they are going to be a big problem because it's another faction that likes to race for points. Mm-hmm. And the badgers like to race for points. So you think, great, we'll stay out of each other's way and we'll just see who wins the race. And that should work, except the table's going to target the badgers before they target the moles. Because uh-huh. the badgers are flashy, they score a bunch of points, and the table's like, get them! And the moles are like, yeah, get them! <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they're scoring the points and their action economy is fine and they end up winning the game. So, while it's true that the moles probably won't get in your way, at least not for a while, right? They'll, they'll kind of like, camp out on their clearings the thing is they're gonna be a threat just after you are perceived as a threat yeah which means that they are in the perfect position to win the race right they're kind of in that like second place you know after we stop the leader i'm gonna be in pole position to win kind of right
2: this is just like survivor right yeah and the show survivor you always want to keep around someone who's bigger and stronger than you because then people are gonna vote out that person before they vote you out you know and this feels exactly like that. The moles love the badgers kind of taking the heat from them. A little
1: yeah, bit. and from where we're sitting here in, you know, the Marauders expansion just arriving in people's hands, the meta is like, oh, my God, the keepers are so scary. Yeah. And the moles were like, back in my day, I used to be that faction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <100%. laughs> everyone punched all the time. But now yeah. I've got, like, <laughs> free pass. It's good to heat develop. displacement,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So... I would say the the smart thing to do in today's meta is battle the moles early. Mm-hmm. Go collect the relics over by the moles as soon as possible. Try and knock them down so that you do two things. One is you get your relic and you can leave so you're not bothering them anymore. And two, you're stopping the moles, which is usually great for table cred. Yeah. So that's my proposal. Yeah. Go, go punch the moles.
2: Yeah. Also... <laughs> Uh, the moles can also like dig into your like backline and mess up any relics that you've saved up. Like it's a there is, there is some stuff. They'll fiddle with for
0: precarious sure. rule too, because they know you right. need that. Yeah, they can, they can they- disrupt your plans without actually much effort, is what we're saying. Right.
2: Right. right or at much cost to them right. themselves, you know? They have right. extra actions, you know? All right. Uh, the Corvids. Well, they have a. Fe-
0: the 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 big the big trap right they they can snare anybody who's got a program can get hacked (laughs)
2: yeah that's true and there's no one better at hacking than a crow (laughs) so what we're talking about (laughs) is the
0: snare lock ability which uh we all know what it does to the eerie but uh for the badgers is particularly bad because of the placement rule right so the replacement excuse me the replacement rule good call (laughs) Uh, yeah. Which is where uh, it's an in camp uh, trap, right? Is like if if it's stuck there, then you can't bring a warrior out or in, vice versa.
2: Right. Yeah, you can't recruit in a clearing with a snare. You can't in camp or decamp.
0: So some of your waystations can get stuck where there are no relics or even any of you to deal with it.
2: I mean, yeah. we talked about the soft lock of just having one badger and them filling up the building slots. Well if you have one or two badgers and there's a snare there, then then you're basically snare locked. Right. If you have just a building there and a snare, that's it. There's no more badgers ever hitting the board and the game's over. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we saw a, an example in this winter tournament of like, who's going to even let you back in the game? <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, it's like, we need your help to slay the leader. It's just like, Yeah. What are you going to do anyway?
0: (laughs) Corvids can kind of also appear wherever they wish, so they can be in your way if they need to, and you're not great at going wherever you want. (laughs) You have to go on wherever you need, right? So the Corvids plans are usually not where you need.
2: Also, it's weird that embedded agents and devout knights are exact opposites. Ooh. Right? Makes sense. If an embedded agent fights a devout knight, That's just a normal battle, baby. (laughs) Whoa. All of a sudden, they're just normal again. Yeah. The badger feels like a knife
0: enter his back, and he turns around, and he pulls a tablet from behind his armor plate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not today. That's right. That's right. I love that visual. All right. And the last and first time we're talking about a faction interaction with the rats, the Lord of Hundreds.
1: Exciting. Yeah, so I, I feel like the rats are not exactly a hard counter to the Badgers. Not really. No. But the thing is, they are super incentivized to battle down your warriors, which, as we mentioned, is a very big consideration for the Keepers. So what's the way around this? In my opinion, it's it's about early suppression. Mm-hmm. And I think for the rats, suppression means two things. One is kill the warlord. <laughs> yeah. Which is totally possible if you have a couple of battles in the same clearing. Like, you can go, and if the Warlord is not, like, you know, surrounded by a fat army, you can, you can go and snipe the Warlord with a bunch of badgers. Totally possible, especially if you've got uh, Devout Knights going. I think this is actually a totally valid target for an early um, Devout Knights badger ball. Like, aggressive play. Aggro badgers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a totally valid target for them. Uh, because we know the rats are coming for the badgers. Mm-hmm. They love the the relic points. They love cleaning up the board.
0: I found anecdotally like they also tend to like swoop through the badgers to also go where the badgers were and have abandoned, so they can oppress yeah. that area. And like they, yeah. they tend to be a real a uh, customer for cleaning up way stations in the background which you know yep. they want to do that too like I, yeah. I i know they're not necessarily i guess you said they're not really a huge threat but i find their interaction to be very high in every game i've played where both of them exist
1: they fight 100%. a lot they really they do fight a lot yeah and it, it may be helpful to try and like suss out what the relationship's going to be like from the get go especially if you're just like hey i'm going to be leaving this area soon like If you don't fight me now, it's going to let me get across the map. Yeah. So then you can just soak up all this territory.
0: Well, the the rats are also just so flexible with how they attack, right? So they know what it'll take to put you down if they have to. And they have the ability to do it depending on their gear. I don't know. Anecdotally, I feel like they're a little bit more of a threat than we're giving them credit for just because they have the will and the need. Yeah. Totally. No, no, no. I do think that they're a big threat for sure. Um
1: I just think that they're stoppable early mm-hmm. and they're very hard to stop once they're very established. Yeah. So the things to focus on are the strongholds in particular.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and if you can kill the warlord early in the game, like that is huge. That is so big. And that can win you some space to like do a big migration. This I yep. mean with the rats in the game, maybe Sam, what do you think? Would this lend itself to more of like a great migration? Yeah, I think
2: I think you guys can kind of yin yang where you both like you're like I need to get over there and they're like great I'm gonna go where you were you <laughs> know and it's just you kind of shift and trade Um, I could see that working uh, obviously the biggest thing to be concerned with with the rats and this is you know whenever we end up doing a versus rats guide next season or whatever uh, is to keep in mind just not to craft don't give them that extra recruiting Especially on their prowess track. Don't don't craft those items. Don't make it easy for them. And we're not like huge in item crafting. We can do it if we have to. But just keeping in mind, uh, extra warriors on the board is always going to be a problem for us. Yeah.
1: A fully online rats can definitely stop the badgers. Yeah. 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 So you want to you want to keep them keep them offline ish.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. Let's get into some map thoughts before we wrap this thing up. Autumn map. It's great. It's great because all the clearings are so connected and we're, we want that mobility. So that's really great. It's great for movement and forces are accessible from multiple angles. You know, Texas is especially good. You know, that clearing with five paths in it. That's going to be very key because it's connected to so many forests.
1: Yeah. So there's five forests surrounding that clearing, which means... It's a hub. It's like a, the you know center of a, a wheel right. that if you can establish a way station in that clearing, it means that you're going to be able to grab a bunch of relics all at once, which can be good, but also can be risky.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's but the thing that the automap has that's kind of a problem is that the clearings are very evenly distributed. So it makes it hard for that Badger Recover Squad strategy where we're trying to hold on to three clearings of all a suit. That might be difficult to set up on the autumn map. So maybe more of a migration. Yeah, very much. All right, the winter map. Interesting. Uh, Opponents will try to prevent Badgers from ruling those central clearings. You know, the, the ones... You know, the two center clearance. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're
1: on the river, on the raging (laughs) river.
2: Yeah, especially due to the fact of that mega forest in the north, right? And when you're setting up, you're hoping that you're not adjacent to that forest because you want that forest to have multiple relics in it. Yeah, exactly. Because that forest is really easy to get to from basically anywhere.
1: Yeah, so the Great Northern Forest. I don't know what to call it. I don't yeah. know. What... <laughs> There's got to be some clever name for that forest. Yeah. Uh,
2: be cautious about getting stuck on one half of the map. This is always key. We need to. Br- I mean, so many factions need to get on both sides of the map. The Woodland Alliance and the Badgers are no exception. They need to make sure to not get stuck on. This one
0: is where the all map. those mobility crafters, or if otters are in the game, yeah, boats are going to be really helpful, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. What's what's our biggest piece of advice for getting across? Like, it, I mean, start on both sides. Start on both sides. Okay, <laughs> I like that.
1: If you can start on both sides, that's yeah, actually yeah. amazing. Yeah. My thing with the Badgers is, I'm probably like go south. So the way the winter map is divided, it's very kind of bifurcated on a like left right right kind of axis a little bit, um, or at least it's symmetrical. You could like mm-hmm. fold it in half, left over right, and it would match up perfectly.
0: But there's no pathway to reach them in the middle it's always the far north of the far south so
1: right i would say like north and south movement is fairly easy on winter map it's the east west movement that
0: is right and the one you need to plan for
1: right and so i I, yeah you just got to choose your moment to bust through and my recommendation is to go south instead of north because when you go north on the winter map you're still just going to be by that one forest and you're going to have less kind of opportunity to grab relics from multiple clearings so head south the riches are more abundant
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right lake map not good bob it's (laughs) it's very difficult to traverse the lake map for any faction and we need to traverse maps so this is definitely our weakest map uh you're gonna want to make sure to be highly mobile and not get stuck in those choke points.
1: Yeah, yeah, we all know that the lake map is full of choke points, but I kind of want to stick up for the lake map. Have you seen the forests on that
2: thing? Yeah, that's true. They
1: are crazy.
2: There's a lot of forests, yeah. They
1: are crazy. And if you can get something like um, boat builders going, you can actually rule a surprising amount of adjacent clearings that do not appear to be adjacent to the same forest. It's like rather surprising, actually. I feel like lake map, for badgers is one of those things where like, yeah, it's not good, but if you're clever, you can kind of make some surprising plays that your opponents are not going to be able to anticipate very well. So I would say lake map, you have an opportunity to be very creative, but it's going to be a challenge.
2: Yeah. If you have, you know, a faction mix that's against you and on lake map, it's going to be a difficult game for sure. Yeah. All right. And then the mountain map is really good. Have you seen the forests on that thing? They're <laughs> tiny.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: You have to really pay attention when you're seeding the map on that one. Also, there's like two non edge clearings, so your ability to start on that map is really right. good. Yeah, yeah. And your ability to race is even better because of the extra points with the closed paths. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Very true.
1: So mountain map is definitely a strong prospect.
2: Well that is it. Folks. We did it. Let's, let's get
1: some final thoughts about the, the Badgers. I feel we like We
2: did a guide. Yeah. Final thoughts are the Badgers are an interesting, complex, quirky root faction. One that brings a lot of character to the game. And although they can be tricky and potentially put a planet sized target on their own back, they are still, I'm gonna say it, one of the best factions in the game. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. And I want to give a special shout. Out. These are not all my thoughts. In fact, it's mainly a compilation of the following things. First, I got to shout out Nitro Rev's YouTube channel. Again, he has a great how to play the Badger's Guide and a Badger's Guide on his YouTube channel. Give those a watch. He Lots of examples. Nitro Rev is a delight. Love that. I got Luke Bridwell's Badger Guide on MakeCraft Game. Uh, Lily G. and Garrick have endorsed this guide to the point where it is on the MakeCraft Game website. That one is so readable. It is so clear. Uh, give that one a read. That one was instrumental in making this guide, as was Marcus the Cat and Germ Curry's Badger Guide on Board Game Geek. Kyle referenced it several times. Lots of good quotes. Those are some of the most experienced players who have played Root. I trust everything that they write about the badgers <laughs> huge in the uh, play testing of the badgers. So they've kind of seen this all play out and through the winter tournament and then see coyotes community badger guide. C coyote did a guide and it is open to be edited by the community. So people have kind of cleaned up some thoughts and specified some things as new information has come along. So that's a living document uh, in like a Google doc that you oh, can just read. Okay. Um, so all of those, are so uh, such great starting points. If you want to know more about the Badgers, uh, than we've gotten into here again, Nitro revs channel has many visuals and stuff. So yeah. uh, if you want to dive more into the Badgers, those are the best places to start. And I want to give a shout out to all of the wimmies who helped me with this guide. You know who you are. I didn't write your names down.
1: <laughs> I love that this guide was like, it was like a combination of like a review of all the literature about the keepers and iron it, and yeah. like are we starting a radio station or is this like the next like USA cable network like I'm, yeah I'm know?
2: sorry I'm I, I actually have to go I have an audition for uh recover squad this, this fall <laughs> okay, on NBC yeah yeah, yeah. yeah dude break the leg <laughs> yeah thanks I'm, Jake I'm going down to LA I'm playing Can dead
0: archaeologist number two <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, sweet. I'm playing half consumed mangled corpse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Yeah, we'll have some shoot days together. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, when we're all mangled together on the ground there, let us say.